fucking gigantic gummy bears. <laughs> like, I think they're like the troll brand or trolley mm-hmm. brand, whatever. And they're, I mean, they're not huge. They're like three or four times the size of a normal gummy bear. Yeah. And when I went to buy them, the the guy at the cash register was like, have you ever had the big ones? I said, nah, man, I know the ones you're talking about, too. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, of course, he don't know me from Cheyenne, but anybody that does knows I'm a fucking candy fanatic. <laughs> even I, even I would have had second thoughts about that damn gummy bear. Yeah. It's a bit ridiculous. I mean, it's as big as my fucking thigh. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how that would taste. I don't know the chemical composition that would go into pouring that much, uh, flavor or that much gummy shit into one cavity. I mean, I imagine I it's got to be just the same scaled up. Yeah. I've heard some people say that they taste different, but I haven't tried it myself. I've always wanted to try the giant gummy worm, too. The one that's like this long as your fucking body. The five foot long gigantic gummy worm. I haven't seen worm. that one. There's just something about, like, huge candy that I don't, I don't know. I, in my later years of life, I still don't eat a whole lot, so... Yeah, I just don't know if I'd eat that much. A giant, like, uh, there's a local candy shop, and they they sell, like, the giant uh, jawbreakers. Mm-hmm. They kind of, they're, like, as big as a fucking soccer ball. As a novelty, yeah. sure, but I don't, I don't collect action figures to pose them on a wall. I like to play <laughs> with them, and I'm not going to buy candy to be like, hey, y'all, come look at my giant gobstopper. I'm going to eat the fucking thing. Just walk by, have a look every now and then. Yeah, <laughs> like two years worth of fucking eating a gobstopper or a jawbreaker. <laughs> this is actually brought, I mean, it's it's actually posed a serious discussion between me and my wife because uh, we have plans to go to Disney World later this year. Nice. And I've never, I, I've never been, so this is going to be a first for me. She's been before, maybe a couple times, at least once I know. Okay. So she knows like the inner workings. She knows like, she knows the excitement and shit that I'm about to get involved in. And one of the things she keeps bringing up is all the food they have there. It's really delicious food almost everywhere you go, from the hotels to the snack bars to the places to eat at in Disney to the candy shops, the snack shops, the donut shops. Like every every food thing you can get in Disney is like four or five out of five. And I'm, and and it's cool. I'm all down for good good food. Yeah, but. She's telling me all these things that, like, she's like, yeah, like, you're going to be able to buy the, these, like, pretzels that are as big as, like, a HDTV. Not that big, but they're, like, huge. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, it takes two hands to hold these fucking pretzels. And I'm like, man, that sounds good. It sounds good in theory. It sounds good in novelty. But, number one, I don't eat a lot, period. And, two, there's no way, even if I did, I could eat a fucking pretzel that big. Uh-huh. Even in, you know, especially in a sitting. And that's just a pretzel. There's donuts that are apparently that way. I've always wanted a turkey leg. They sell the turkey leg things yeah. there. But even I know that those are huge. Those are as big as my thigh as well. Mm-hmm. Those are clubs. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, all this big food that they're supposed to have, like the the the, the novelty of, of seeing that and going, you know, like, hey, there's a taco that's as, as, as big as my body. Ha, that's cool. That's awesome that, that somebody could make that, that somebody would make that. There's no fucking way I'm going to eat that. And if and then th- there's also the money thing, too, where, you know, if I'm going to spend $15, $20 on a pretzel, but only eat the equivalent of like $4 worth, now nah, I wasted my money. Yeah. 
there is a there is a thing about putting too much food into something that I've noticed a trend lately. I can't remember the other place, but my wife and I went to a, there was a snowball place nearby. Oh, cupcakes. That's, that's the other one. But we went to a snowball place nearby. I think it was called, uh, uh, snow boogers. I believe it was called. And it's mm-hmm. like a, it's like a big ass trailer. It's got all this cool, like nineties pink color design and it's got candy all over it. And it's the, the idea is you get a, you get a fucking, a cup of, you know, shaved ice, a snow cone, but they put this other stuff in it and on top of it as well. Hmm. Again, for me, a candy and sweets fanatic, this is, you would think, bro, this is right up your alley, which yeah. I did. So my wife and I pulled a 180 when we passed it. We went back, went and ordered it. And she got one that had, again, it was a cup of, it was a cup of fucking shaved ice, but it mm-hmm. had like six or seven different candy things attached in and around it. And I had, uh, it was like a cheesecake ice cream kind of thing that also had some candy stuff stuffed on top. Again, Looking at it and the novelty, a, a a a kid would see that and lose their fucking mind. Like it's <laughs> it's 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 a snow cone with a bunch of candy on it. Hell yeah. yeah, life is perfect. Look at me, ma, first world nation. But then when we started eating it, we got maybe two thirds, maybe a little, maybe maybe less, maybe like halfway through, and we were like, yeah, I can't do anymore. Like I, I just I can't. There's too much stuff. There's there's too much to eat. There's too much candy. And we ended up throwing a half of it away anyway. Yeah. There's a cupcake place also around here uh, that does the same thing. Like, again, it's a cupcake. A generic, probably about a palm-sized cupcake. Sure, sounds good. Uh, a homemade bakery where they bake their own cupcakes and maybe they mix their own icing. This their own perfect recipe, their own mom and pop recipe. Again, now that not as a novelty, just as a delicious treat. That sounds good. Yeah. But they put like four pounds of icing on top and then they put yeah. shit in the icing as well. And you're like, man, like two thirds of this thing is icing. The cake is, is like two bites, you know, novelty. Sounds cool. Looking at it, design perfect, awesome. But when you actually buy it and eat it again, this is coming from me, a guy that just ingests sugar into his eyeballs. I see that and then try to eat it, and I'm like, man, I'm I'm fucking done. I just mm-hmm. I can't. <laughs> yeah, I've eat I've eaten a bag of gummy worms and four now and later's and a bunch of Skittles and all this and f- two pounds of icing, and I can't even eat this cake. I'm not even to the cake yet. I don't even I don't believe there's a cake underneath this. <laughs> yeah, you can't even see it. Yeah. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting when we go to Disneyland to see. Now she she also tells me that. And I, I, common sense explains this to me as well, that with all the walking there is to do in Disney, and now we have, I've especially seen this now that we've went over, we went over like the Disney World map, and I didn't even know that they were different like, uh, centers or areas, whatever. Like I thought <laughs> Disney was just one huge fucking thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it is, but it's also divided up into these fucking areas like Epcot and mm-hmm. the Animal Kingdom and Disneyland, etc. And that was that already blew my mind. But there's so much shit in every area. Her argument is, yes, it, they're going to be big and there's there's lots of portions and you're going to eat a lot, but you're going to walk your ass off and ride and all that stuff. And you're going to be tired and you're going to be hungry. So we'll see. I hope so. I know for a fact at a minimum 
the main thing I want is a turkey leg. Yeah. Which I could have down here. We have we have fucking festivals and shit down here all the time. Mm-hmm. We sell that that carnival shit, but this is Disney. Might as well have one there. Yeah. But I mean, I'm just thinking in my head like a a fucking pretzel that I'm having to hold with two hands. It's just I, I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm going to feel like such a dick if I eat like yeah. five, six bites and go, all right, you know, a fucking I ate a tenth of it. The rest is going in the garbage. Yep. See all right. So I'm look. I'm looking at you, giant, giant gummy worm or giant gummy bears bag <laughs> thing. You started this shit. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the end of time. I'm Michael. I'm Chris. And there is no Adam today, unfortunately. Adam is a, uh, he's a very busy man. I think the last that I spoke to him, he was uh, groundbreaking a formula to uh, some type of power generator I think he was working on. And when I specified more, when I got more out of him, something about building his own uh, mech, uh, I guess he's really into playing Xeno Gears and he's like mm-hmm. locked himself in a basement or something. I don't know. Uh, I kept hearing well tall a lot. I don't know what the fuck that means, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, he's taking care of some business today. So unfortunately, he won't be with us this episode. Uh, hopefully, he'll be here next week. Um, so yeah, I know everybody misses him. We do too, but. The show must go on. So, Chris, yeah, what's it been like this week for you? Um, pretty busy. Uh, work's picking up. I'm getting a lot to do there, so I'm finding myself, you know, working later than I should. And then I'm like, oh, I should go play some games. And then I sit around for a bit, and I'm like, oh wait, I never started the game. Um, <laughs> It's, you know, I tried, I, I like to watch stuff on Twitch, and so I'm like, all right, as soon as, you know, I'm done watching this, I'll go play my game, and then I just, a couple hours later, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, okay. Um, mm-hmm. So really, uh, two games for me, excuse me, this week to talk about. Um, one of them, no surprise, uh, Destiny 2. Yep, yep. Uh, as I mentioned, this week is Iron Banner again, or last week was Iron Banner. So I was working on that. I actually got pretty much the goal I was going for with it, um, which was unlocking the armor set on at least two of my uh, characters. Because I already had on my first on my Hunter, and I wanted to finish the set of my Titan. And I did that and even got one piece, I think it was, for my Warlock. Chris, yeah. yet and you have to forgive me. I probably have already asked this, and uh-huh. maybe you have already explained it too. But just in case for new listeners and for your co-host that has no memory, sure, I explain what Iron Banner is. Like explain how it works in the Destiny world. Sure. So Iron Banner is a week long PvP event. Um, it tip. Well, I don't know if they actually changed if it's rotating still or not, but. Uh, this past week was Control, which is, you know, capture the zones and hold them mm-hmm. uh, and get kills. Uh, the way, <clears throat> so in Destiny 1, the way it worked is this was what I used to basically hit max light level because I didn't do a whole lot of raiding and whatnot, uh, especially early on. So I would do, you know, the normal events until I hit that soft cap that required me to do the raid, and then I'd go do Iron Banner. And I'd hit cap and never touched the raid. Um, <laughs> in Destiny 2, 
it no longer gives that powerful gear. So you can't actually level up off of it. Mm. Um, so really, Iron Banner has been turned into a cosmetic uh, gathering thing. Um, Which, that that's still cool. Everybody loves cosmetics in these kind of games. Well, I mean... Uh, well, yeah, I guess unless unless the cosmetics are kind of garbage. Yeah, and right <laughs> now I'm I'm not a huge fan of the ornaments, which is kind of funny because the armor that drops has been there since the beginning mm. um, of Destiny Two, I believe. But then they drop ornaments, or they don't drop. You have to purchase or earn the ornaments uh, during the Iron Banner event itself, and then you can apply that to the armor you got earlier on. So instead of having to get these armor drops over and over, you have set goals to earn the ornaments, which change the appearance. Um, and you can change, you know, one slot or all of them. I actually mm-hmm. went through on my Titan and after I finished unlocking, I was like, oh yeah, let me take a look at the, you know, because we're in season three now. Uh, I guess it's going to be three seasons per year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're in season three and I'm like, all right, let me see how it looks. And I'm like, don't like it. Um, <laughs> it uh, yeah. It's... The season three uh, theme is kind of a uh, knight, medieval knight type thing, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is okay in concept and it doesn't look terrible. But uh, the uh, season one look, the original one was a uh, samurai type theme one. And I like that much better than the ornaments. So Mm -hmm. I've earned the ornaments. And finished getting geared to uh, drop from the reputation packages so I could apply them, but I'm not using any of the ornaments. Um, Let me ask this yep. then: Is it? Uh, this is me coming from the you know the Final Fantasy XIV mentality. Sure. The only reference I really have: Are you able in Destiny? I guess two specifically, since we're talking about that one. Mm-hmm. Are you able to mix and match pieces like a headpiece, an armor piece, yeah. a leg piece? Cool. So you can you can glamour things basically. Yeah, um, awesome. and I think, uh, be- well, so on top of these ornaments, um, for those aren't aware, uh, and probably you in particular, you also have shaders you can apply to gear that change their color palettes. No way, awesome. Yeah, so I have a, and that's kind of why I don't really like the season three, because it's basically metal, you know, mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. night outfit, and uh, my shaders I like to apply don't really fit with that so it's not that i say it looks, no i say fucking no way like i like this is the first time i've heard of some final fantasy 14 does that i know mm-hmm. lots of games do that i'm just i really like the more customization that you can do to your character in a game no matter what level that i fucking love that i love that you can make your own shit basically yeah you took a fucking season one headgear and a season three pants but you colored them and made it which oh i love that yeah like i have i've always enjoyed the iron banner uh color scheme from destiny Mm -hmm. one uh destiny two threw in some green in it and made it like a you know foresty type thing for at least the Mm -hmm. hunter anyway i think all of them actually but i prefer the original which was more of a gold and silver or gold and white type thing um Mm -hmm. so i uh up until this point, I've typically used that shader on my stuff. Uh, and by the way, just so you know, there's a whole subreddit subreddit dedicated to Destiny fashion. Oh, I bet. And man, 
I, I don't visit there, but every once in a while it spills over into the main uh, Destiny subreddit. And mm-hmm. it, it's just amusing, you know, and it's cool that there's people that have so much passion about how their characters look. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so I use the, uh, and there are factions within the game, and I've, since Destiny 1, I've always been affiliated with uh, the faction called Dead Orbit. Mm-hmm. And their theme is a black and white theme. Uh, so that's what I'm currently using, except for my Warlock. Mm-hmm. My Warlock, I don't know why, but it's it's probably mainly because of the way the uh, armor for the Warlock is styled. It's got that magical feel, you know, it's cloth. It's, you know, think of MMO. It's that mm-hmm. more traditional caster type armor. So it looks better in colors. Um, yeah. as opposed to you net leather or metal or <clears throat> what have you. So my warlock is blue. Uh, everything is a certain shade of blue applied to everything. Um, mm-hmm. and it looks nice. It fits, uh, with the floating, you know, essentially spellcaster type. Um, so yeah, so I was playing Iron Banner and then, uh, this week they released their latest update which was a pretty big one. They unlocked the or uh, added in <clears throat> prestige versions of uh, the a new, actually a new raid layer, I think it is, and the last one or the last two or whatever it is that was missing. Um, not something I'm going to touch yet, but they added that in. They changed. Uh, gosh, I should have taken some notes. They they added some stuff, but the big thing was working towards the uh, moments of triumph now mm-hmm. and trying to get caught up on milestones. Cause I didn't do really most of the milestones last week cause I was doing iron banner. <clears throat> so I didn't really get much of a, uh, power gain thing. I'm up to 372, uh, for my hunter and 371 on the other two. So I'm mm-hmm. pretty balanced. Uh, surprisingly, you know, when my hunter was 360 something and my other ones were 300 or 305, Wow, but yeah. it's it's not as easy as it used to be, but it's still really easy when you you know actually sit down and look at the progress I've made. Because in Destiny One, you could just take an armor piece of any type, or excuse me, for any class, and infuse it into another class. So I could take my extra hunter headpiece, infuse it into my Titan headpiece, and hey, I'm suddenly equivalent to my main character. I just need nice. another drop. In Destiny Two. It's limited to that class. So you mm-hmm. lose that little bit, but because of the way drops work, it's not that big of a deal. Um, yeah. So that's, and it was, it was kind of frustrating because I'm like, all right, I want to get this done with Iron Banner, but I have a new game I want to play, and that is Octopath Traveler. <clears throat> oh, man. Um, so I ended up, I was like, all right, I'm going to finish my Titan's armor. And then I only got the pieces on the Warlock because I was like, all right, I can unlock the next tier of rewards, basically, if I get to rank 35 with the Iron Banner faction. Like, all right, that's mm-hmm. my end point. Stopping there. I did that. I'm like, all right, step back. Go play this other game. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, Octopath Traveler. Here we go. Man, it's so crazy. You actually are going to talk about this game because I was debating on talking about it today. Do you, you bought it and playing it? No. And that was oh. going to be part of my discussion. Okay. It's just coincidental <laughs> that apparently you already have. So you have answers to my questions. Let me take a drink of water and I'll get right to it then. Okay. As he's taking a drink of water, I'll just vamp out a little bit. 
<laughs> Let me think um, of uh, maybe maybe the mansion of the, uh, the uh, Coliseum from Final Fantasy VI. Not the Coliseum. Not the 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 Opera House. Okay, you your water's right. long gone. Yeah, I'm saving that for next time. All right, appreciate that interlude. Um, You're welcome. So, for those I don't know, Octopath Traveler is a newly released JRPG. Uh, Released on the Switch. And it is a quaint little game. It's nice. Um, So, I'm going to give you my overall thought on it real quick. Before I dive into, you know, details. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is a solid RPG. A solid JRPG in particular. But so far, I haven't seen anything that made it super stand out above mm-hmm. you know other games like i said it's solid but it doesn't have that unique or you know i don't know i just nothing really jumps out at you about the game um mm-hmm. at least for me uh yeah so octopath travelers thing you know it, and given the name is there are eight characters and you choose whichever one of the eight you want to start with. Um, each one of them has a different job. Uh, so you have a hunter, thief, apothecary, dancer, cleric, scholar, merchant, and warrior. And none of that's spoiling anything because that's the first thing you do is pick a thing and it tells you what they do. Um, yeah, I mean, everybody's <laughs> been all over this game since... God knows how that was like a big thing was what are these eight jobs? Yeah. What are they going to be? That's that's been everywhere. And it's it's always interesting when you get into a non-combat class as a job, you know, mm-hmm. merchant, uh scholar or apothecary. apothecary. Yeah. Um so apothecary's thing is, you know, combining ingredients to do something. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't know. The ingredients aren't terrible to come by. I don't use them just because I don't want to, you know, I'm a bit of a hoarder anyway, but uh, I want to save them for boss fights and stuff. So I typically don't use it in, you know, run in the mill battles. Uh, the scholar uh, is a magic user with the ability to determine enemy weaknesses and health. Uh, so that's somewhat useful. At least the weaknesses are. Uh, that's the biggest thing. Um, I wish he was kind of more useful uh, in actual combat so I could use him in serious situations uh, Mm -hmm. for that weakness targeting because enemies have these weaknesses and even the one enemy, there are multiple tiers of one enemy. So you have these these little frog guys. But the frog guy one and frog guy two looked almost identical but there will be something extra on the next one, or it'll be bigger, or you look different in some way. Like the frog guys progressively get more and more uh, armor and stuff on them uh, as they, you know, rank up in these tiers, which is mm-hmm. cool. Um, and they'll typically share like one or two weaknesses, depending how many they have. Uh, enemy weaknesses have ranged, I think, from two to like six things. Uh the ones with more weaknesses tend to be bosses because they tend to have physical and magic weaknesses, whereas mm-hmm. normal enemies may have one magical weakness and 
two physical or three physical, you know, but that one magical. So they have fewer. Um, but yeah, so being able to identify those weaknesses early on is super useful. Uh, especially I feel when- like such a shitlord, man, because mm-hmm. I know this is not not saying anything about the groundbreaking of this game, but I know that there are so many RPGs out there that that have that mindset, and my mind is racing trying to remember them. But you know, where like you have an imp, and then the next you know two dungeons down, you got a, an imp, but they're carrying a sword, mm-hmm. and you get another imp down the road where he's bigger, a little bit more muscle bound, but he's carrying a broadsword, and yeah. it's it just builds up. Like, yeah, I, I like the idea because that's that is a better variance for me just just from my mind my ease of mind uh than just a palette swap yeah oh oh duh fucking duh chris god of war just did that mm-hmm. uh remember you see different variants of the uh oh damn almost all of them really but yeah, yeah i i even though you can look at it and tell it's a copy paste that's i mean come on again going from old school where it was yeah you have a red imp later on same imp it's a blue imp <laughs> Yeah. We just changed the shirt color. <laughs> I mean, that's at least a, they put a little bit of effort into it, you know. Yeah, that's a classic, you know, palette swap. Um, so yeah, so the uh, scholar's good. The scholar is good on the magic side because a lot of them don't have uh, either don't have magic straight up or only have one type of magic, whereas a scholar has three just straight up. Mm-hmm. Um, the merchant. She's interesting in combat. Um, the you've got a couple of different things there. Uh, one is uh, stealing coins from or stealing money from an enemy, which is whatever. Um, I don't use it except for pretty much on bosses uh, that she's involved with, because you have whenever you use it, you have a, it shows you a percentage of, you know, what your odds are of taking the money from the enemy. And it's usually mm-hmm. super low. Um, so I usually don't bother with unless it's a boss where I can try over and over anyway. And I know it's yeah. going to be a good amount of money because it's a boss. Uh, but the other thing is in the middle of combat, you can hire people to help. Um, the prices are at this point in the game for me, Beyond the first two, way too much. Um, hmm. I'm sure later on when money's not an issue, probably be a lot better. Um, and I don't expect to unlock any more. So from the start, I see the ones I'm going to be using in game with that character, you know. Uh, yeah. But I fa- I didn't I didn't even touch that because I knew I didn't want to spend a lot of money. But then I realized the first tier that cost you know only 150 whatever current the currency is. It gives you a defense boost, a physical defense boost for two or three turns, just straight up. I'm like, okay, that's totally worth it. I don't care if they're doing yeah. one damage to the boss. Yeah. I need the defense. <laughs> um, and one of the neat things about the battle system is you have uh, these points called BP, which I'm assuming are battle points. Uh, I'm not sure if that actually spells it out, and I'm just remembering wrong, but... Uh, as you earn these BP, which every turn you earn one, unless you spend them, and then you don't earn one the turn after you use them. Um, so you kind of have a you know risk reward thing there. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you use it now or save up until you have more? Because you can hold up to five, but the most you can use on any one thing, I believe, is four. I don't think there's anything. That, there might be something that limits it three. Uh, 
I think there's some spells and stuff that limit at three. But in general, three to four, and you can maximize your BP usage for a particular skill or spell. Um, With using that on, say, like hiring the soldier, I believe it is, for the merchant, instead of that buff lasting for two turns, it will last for like eight if you max it out. So you save them up, burn them all at once, and for 150 gold or whatever you want to call it, uh, you're now buffed for a long time. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, that's across the board, you know, with how you buff spells. Like, you have your tier one, you know, cure spell that cures the party a little bit. You buff it up, and then with, I think, 3 BP makes it equivalent to the next tier uh, cure spell which is mm-hmm. three times the amount of uh, MP to use. So it makes it super efficient to just do regular cures and then save the BP for when you need that big heal all at once and then you're using a third of the MP and you're getting the same thing. Or you right. save them up and you have to use the big heal and use BP as well to make it even bigger, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's this whole management system with how... Uh, it adds another layer to the MP and even HP management system, you know. Uh, It gives you more to think about and more options, too. Um, The combat is your typical turn-based combat. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's divided into rounds. Uh, A round is pretty much, you know, everybody goes, and then the next round starts. Um, And you earn a BP at the beginning of each uh, round. So, I, something I just discovered today because it never happened before. I actually had an enemy uh, get a surprise attack against me. So, I didn't get to go in the first round at all. But I still earned a BP for that. So, even though I got ambushed, I technically had a small advantage because my first attacks, now I had two BP instead of the one you normally start a fight with. Uh, so, all nice. my first round attacks were more powerful. So ultimately, aside from getting hit and losing health, I didn't really lose anything for them going first. Um, the Another interesting system in this game is that all of these characters have something they can do out of combat. Okay. Um, so like the hunter can provoke people, which you basically do a 1v1 any NPC you can talk to. Oh, it's real quick. This is one of the only JRPGs I've ever seen where you can't talk to everyone you see. Really? Yeah, like there'll be three NPCs standing next to each other and maybe one of them will have a speech bubble and you can talk to that one. The other two are basically background. Mm-hmm. It's, And I think that's purely because Everybody has a reaction to your NPCs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, out of combat ability. So it kind of, it makes sense in a way, you know, okay, we're going to have 2,000 NPCs to code versus 10,000 NPCs to code, you know. Yeah. It, it makes sense. It's kind of odd at first, but then you're like, okay, I get it. So most of the people I can talk to, there's a reason to, or they're, the padding on the ones that have a reason to, you know, just enough to where it's not only the people that are relevant, but also a few more. So you actually have to go around and look and talk to people to figure out who's who and what you need to do with each. 
Um, but yeah, so the hunter can one v one people, uh, which has a few uses. One of the really interesting things are the way the side quests work, uh, with these out of combat things. And, uh, in the description, when they, you know, first give you a, not really tutorial, but a information screen about the hunter's ability, it's like, this is provoke. If you use it at certain times, you know, things will happen. And it gives an example on screen like, oh, this guy, this girl doesn't like this guy because he's a little wimpy guy, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you go and provoke him with the hunter and then purposely lose, she's like, oh, he's so tough. She's like, okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, and hey, side quest complete. Um, so there's a lot of things like that, uh, that these things impact, uh, the thief can steal from any NPC. Uh, they will have a up to three, I believe is the maximum items an NPC can have, and you will have Mm -hmm. a steal percentage. Like sometimes, especially in like the first couple of cities, it's like, oh, you have a hundred percent chance to steal these basic items. And the next tier is kind of 80%. And then you get into varying below that. Uh, down to literally 0% chance. Uh, and as you level, those percentages will go up somewhat. Um, so that's interesting. And it's a good way to get items where I'm not spending anything or even getting materials that are just purely shop fodder to give you more money. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of the... So you have these, you know, ways to get these items like with stealing and you can provoke and fight people for essentially no reason if it's not involved in a side quest. Because uh, most of them aren't, they're either really tough or really easy for you. There's not many that are in between. So the experience and points you earn in a fight from provoking at the beginning is super worth it. Because you can, you know, whatever city you're in, you can get a little bit of a boost. But after you've gone to like two cities with the hunter, it's not really worth it for that extra experience or points. Right. Um, right. But uh, I, I totally lost my train. Oh, yeah, risk reward. Um, so that's a reward side of it. But there's also a risk to it, which I don't – I think it's kind of crappy. Uh, but you have a set number of times you can fail. And this applies to any of the out-of-combat uh, things, and they all stack. So if I go okay. with my thief and try to – steal from someone I think it's like six times it's four to six times you can fail uh, before you hit the limit Uh, Mm -hmm. so I'll go steal with my thief four times and I'll go try doing this other thing two times and that'll make me at six and my reputation's bad in the town everybody knows I'm a scumbag then or it's trying to do stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, but then all I could do is go to the inn or not the inn but the tavern talk to the barkeep and say hey raise my reputation up he's like yeah pay me an arm and a leg and I'll do it uh, and then you just go back and repeat what you were doing. So okay. the amount it costs to get your reputation up is really high. Like the first time I did it cost me 1500 money. And at that point, I mean, even now that's still a pretty good amount. Um, mm-hmm. I'm to the point where equipment and stuff has cost me, if I want to really upgrade like 20,000 and I'm, I can upgrade like one character every like, three or four tiers. There's all this equipment I can't even use because I can't afford it. Um, wow. So money's pretty tight. <clears throat> so in that sense, you know, it is, you know, hurting you. If I go out, I'm sure there's a way I could go out and grind easy money, but I'm not doing any real grinding at this point. 
Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so you do have that. Um, the apothecary guy, he can do, uh, it's called inquire. Basically, you talk to someone and you find out information about them. Um, this is where, this is the only one that is a 100% chance, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is the only one that's 100% chance uh, that has any sort of uh, chance associated with it. And <clears throat> instead, there are level caps on NPCs. Uh, like initially, you'll be able to talk to everybody and find out more information about everybody in the town. And then later on, be like, oh, you have to be level 15 to inquire about this person. Or you have to be level 20. I, I think the highest I've seen so far is level 40. <clears throat> So they expect you to come back to these places later to do these things. Um, some of them may be involved in side quests. Some are just going to tell you where a hidden item in the town is. Some literally have no benefit to you talking to them other than just getting a little blurb about their background. Um, okay. <clears throat> now, here's here's the issue I have with this out-of-combat things is the scholar has one called Scrutinize. Which essentially is the same thing as inquire, except for there is a percentage attached to it. So if I have both in my party, I can walk up to this NPC, talk to him with the scholar, and it's like, oh, you have a 10% chance. I talk to him with the apothecary. Oh, hey, I immediately have it. Oh, okay. Uh, so what's the point? What's the point of, yeah. <laughs> so the, and the, the scrutinized thing, which I thought was cool when I first saw it, is it's it's actually used as part of the plot to investigate things. Um, and you pretty much have no failure chance on those because it's part of the story. So you're talking to these NPCs, getting clues from them, and then you have this little cutscene type thing where it's like, are he, you know, the inner monologue. All right, so I talked to these three people. They said this, this, and this, and you actually answer questions. You know, who did they say it was? What time of day did it occur? Where did it happen? And then you answer them and you get them. I haven't gotten them wrong, so I don't know what happens if you fail them. But you get them all right. And he's like, that's right. It's always happening here, here. This, this is, these are all the details. I know the answer to this mystery. You know, he's a mystery solver type guy. Um, mm -hmm. So that And that little part is pretty cool. Um, it's kind of impossible to lose unless you just button mash through the text boxes. Uh, and even if you do that, you can kind of look at the answers and go, hmm, okay, for most of them. Uh, I've only had two of those because they're only as part of that, uh, part of the scholar's story. Um, yeah, really disappointed that the scholar's scrutinize is pretty much worthless if you have the other guy. Um, the, uh, let's see, the warrior also has a 1v1, so essentially it's the same as a hunter, except for, so to be more specific about the hunters, you don't fight with yourself, you fight with your beasts, because your hunter is a beast tamer. Uh, and you have this, uh, what is it, uh, not tiger, but uh, panther-ish, something like that, you know, some sort of big wild cat uh, companion that you have, and you can also tame other beasts out in the wild. Uh, and okay. each one will have some sort of attack. Uh, a diff you know, the same enemy will have different tiers of that attack. Like the frog guys I was talking about, they attack with uh, pole arms. And 
the first one is just, okay, attack with the polearm. Later on, it's like double attack with the polearm. I just got one earlier that was a triple attack with the polearm. Uh, and I did a lot of defending and trying with 7% uh, capture rate to get that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so your provoke, you're only fighting with your beasts, um, which gives it a little bit more difficulty. You can still use your items to heal yourself because your beasts don't have health. It's all your health. Um, so you can heal yourself that way uh, with items and whatnot in combat. Uh, the warrior is a, just, it's him. You know, it's a one, it's true 1v1 between the warrior and whatever poor townsfolk you're attacking. Um, so they're kind of similar. The merchant has the ability to buy items off NPCs. And the pool of items is the same as the steal. So you can steal everything that's 100%. And then if there's something you really want that you can't steal, you can go buy it. And when you buy it, you have a chance to get money off. Um, so it costs oh, okay. 100 You have a chance to get, you know, a whatever amount discount. Gotcha. Um, it's... <clears throat> I haven't had many things that I wanted to buy because they were super expensive. Uh, so if I can't steal it, I pretty much just ignore it until I can come back at a higher level or it's something story related. So I kind of need to buy it or side mm-hmm. quest related. Um, uh, the God. So much stuff. Um, <laughs> what? That's this is the podcast. Exactly what it's for. Yeah. The uh, the other two characters, the dancer and cleric, they're out of uh, combat abilities. Are similar, um, in that they're both used to get an NPC on your side in combat. Uh, you mm-hmm. can actually call them in combat for a set amount of time, to- a set amount of yeah times, and then they go back to where they were. Uh, the dancers is allure. Uh, so you use your, you know, feminine ways to, uh, uh, bring someone on your team. And that one has a percentage to it. And it's a pretty low percentage, uh, for what you would think. Um, cause when I first, and you can, you can pretty much go to these characters in any order. Uh, it's going to be a little more difficult to, you know, like skip one, but they're basically in a circle around the map the innermost part of the map uh, mm-hmm. around this body of water. So whatever you starting point, you go left or right or whatever you want to do. And then you have them all unlocked. Uh, and yeah. So as I, when I unlock the dancer, I use a lure and I, the first person I use on is like, Oh, hundred percent chance. I was like, great. The next one is like 30% chance. I'm like, not so great. That one's actually mm-hmm. useful. Um, yeah, so it's, I don't know. I think it's okay though. Uh, I currently have a guard from a town that I, uh, you use the ability on to get on my side and he's really good to have at certain points. Um, nice. the cleric has guide. So the cleric uses their holy, you know, position <clears throat> and reputation to get someone to basically help her out. Um, okay. And it has a percentage too, but it tends to be higher, I think. Uh, not sure if there's a reason or, you know, there's some pattern to NPCs and what kind of percentage you get with those. But it's nice to have that little bit of 
extra help in, in uh, combat, uh, primarily for two reasons. One, after you summon them, they stay for X amount of turns. Um, okay. Typically, it's probably three turns as a base. That sounds about mm-hmm. right. Unless they take a ton of damage. And they take a ton of damage because they actually take hits for whoever summoned them. Uh, which it doesn't tell you at all anywhere. Uh, I didn't know that until it happened in battle. You know, my cleric goes to get hit, and all of a sudden the NPC's in front of it. My cleric's health didn't take a hit. Um, nice. And it stayed there. Uh, I had a fight, I think it was earlier. Um, I was in an area I shouldn't have been. Uh, so it's taking a ton of damage. And the uh, from full health, my cleric would have been one shot, but the NPC took it instead and then left. Uh you know, it probably has the same health as a as the character does, just a mm-hmm. arbitrary number. Um, yeah. But it was enough to send it away. But it saved my cleric. You know. Uh, yeah. So that's a really cool mechanic to have. I typically only use it in boss fights, um, because it also helps hit those weaknesses. Um, to back into combat a little bit, the weaknesses are basically breaking or stunning the enemy. Uh, they call it breaking game but you stun them for a round. Um, not including the round they get stunned in. So if they haven't gone yet in that round, they don't get to happen. They don't get to attack in that round or the next. Um, okay. So it's, it's useful and they show a bar at the top of the screen with, you know, the turn order and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's useful to break or stun the enemy that's going to go next, you know, and right. try to tear them off. So nobody gets to go that round except your team yeah, yeah. and then sense. murder them the next turn. Um, Some combat strategy. Good. Yeah. Uh, and breaking an enemy will take between one and however many hits of that mm-hmm. weakness, of a weakness, mm-hmm. I should say. Because if it's weak to swords and axes, I can use a combination of both to, you know, weaken it or break it. Uh, some of them, like bosses, <laughs> and even some of the normal enemies at the point where I'm at, they get really high. Um, and I don't have a lot of multi-attack Outside of the hunter, my hunter has not left my party since the beginning of the game. I started Damn. with hunter. My hunter is my highest level person and will not leave my party. Uh, she is, in my opinion so far, what I've seen from all the characters, the most powerful one. Um, she gets the earliest AoE. Uh, well, I guess technically if you start with like the warrior, he would. But his isn't as good as the hunter. Uh, the mm-hmm. hunter actually gets a multi-attack AOE, whereas the first AOE you get with the warrior is a single-hit AOE, which is still good. But if you need <clears throat> six attacks against the enemy to break them, then that one AOE is going to do one hit on four enemies. Whereas my, if they're weak to uh, uh, range bow and arrow attacks, then my hunter can do five to eight against everybody at once. Um, so it makes it really good. Uh, unless they're not weak to bows, and then it's annoying, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, can't yeah. be strong against everything. Uh, there are support jobs. It, they, they don't call them support jobs. It's like, I think they actually call them classes, maybe, support class. Uh, where, and you find these... These aren't something you earn in the story. They're something you have to actually stumble across. Uh, so far, I have Warrior and Thief. 
So my hunter is now a hunter warrior. So each class has a at least one weapon they can use. Uh, some of them have multiple. When you equip a support class, you unlock all the weapons of that support class. So the hunter starts with axe or not, yeah, axe and bow. Um, by putting warrior on my hunter, I unlocked sword and polearm. So now I have four different weaknesses I can hit with uh, my primary weapons on my hunter. And there's a whole job point system where you earn points in battle and then you unlock more ability, support, support abilities, support skills for each class. So since I have two equipped to my hunter, I can put these points into either my hunter or the warrior or, you know, either any combination of each to unlock stuff. So like my hunter who is good at, you know, the AOE stuff has the warrior's AOE with pole arms now. So, and the, uh, single, uh, strike AOE sword. So I have three different AOEs I can do with my hunter to immediately try knocking out weaknesses, two of which are multi-attack. Um, so yeah, she's, I think she's a little broken to be honest at this point. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'd be saying that about the warrior if I started with him, but I can't think of a single other class based on what I've seen of each that would compete with the hunter and warrior. Um, which is kind of, I mean, it's okay because you typically have that in a game, you know, in an RPG, have that one damage dealer that's really good. Uh, but it's, it seems like a bit much compared to the others. Um, so hopefully as I level the other characters, which is, I'll get into that in a second. Um, hopefully as I level them, they'll get better in their own right. Uh, in particular, I'd like to see stronger magic. Uh, but I think I'm limited to a scholar on that. And I don't know. I'm going to have to level them up more to figure out what's going on and uh, as far as, you know, strategy, uh, usefulness in combat. Uh, one of the kind of annoying things is the play, the characters you're not using don't gain experience, you know, when you're not using them. It makes sense. But you have eight characters who you have to use at a certain point when you're doing their story, you have to have them in your party. Um you enter a city without them, your cutscene isn't triggered. Uh, you have to actually go change out your party and then hit the trigger for the, you know, to continue that character's story. Uh, so my my hunter right now, uh, I just hit 31 earlier, level 31. Mm -hmm. I have four characters that I, four, I think three now, because I hit one of them leveled up. Uh, I have three characters that are 50, level 15 or lower. It's like 13 to 15 because I haven't had a need to use them. Uh, I use them for their story. That's the only reason they're 15 or, you know, close to 15. And that's it. I have the hunter. I have the thief, the cleric. And then my fourth slot is whoever I have to have for the story or whoever I'm trying to level at the moment. See, that's a that's an initial criticism I've had, again, mm -hmm. and everything I say in this section is going to be outside the box because I haven't played it. Sure. But so it's great that there are eight travelers, mm -hmm. but the fact that they're all landlocked to their own class, 
I mean, I guess because it fits the it fits the a story or the story, it makes sense. But you only have those eight, and they are what they are. And even with those eight, unless you just for somehow, unless unless you somehow, even dude, even Mass Effect, there were characters I just didn't care for. Mm-hmm. Uh, were they all memorable in their own right? Sure. Were they all cool? I mean, yeah, mo- most of them were, but. You only had a party of three in that game. So I would pick three that I want. And those three kept constantly getting played. And again, yeah. same mentality until there was a mission that came up where I had to have them on there. Mm-hmm. And I, that, that's, you would think in 2018, uh, this was just something I was hoping with this game, there would be a workaround or that would be a thing that would be addressed. And it doesn't sound like it's being addressed. Matter of fact, it seems like it's getting more pushed down in the ground because. Uh, thinking of another class type game out there, which arguably, yes, has has many more characters to choose from and potentially more characters to put in your party at a given time. I think five was the maximum. Uh, Final Fantasy Tactics. Mm-hmm. But Final Fantasy Tactics, you weren't limited to the class. You know, you, you could mix and match whatever you want. Yeah. And again, I know this is not tactics. It's not the argument I'm making. I'm making that... There's been ways around these things before, but this game seems very... It, it it seems like it's telling a certain story and and is generating a certain type of gameplay and it's not living outside of its own self, yeah. uh, and it just seems very. Man, I don't know. I I watched I've watched a quick play of it, a quick look of it. I've seen a little. I've seen all kind of reaction trailers to it and whatnot. But the the quick the quick look was the first time that I saw real gameplay. And man, it's going to sound kind of assholeish, I guess, but right after about 10, 15 minutes, I was like, man, this game looks very okay. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this. I'm not saying that it got wrapped up in its own hype. I didn't really notice a lot of hype. It was, it was less and less of a hype ordeal and more of a, I'm hearing a lot about it. Mm-hmm. You know, less and less like this is going to be the RPG of 2018 and more. I just kept hearing Octopath Traveler, Octopath yeah. Traveler. I mean, the name itself, you're going to you're going to spot that name out of something anyway. Yeah. But when I finally got around to seeing, all right, what is this hubbub about? What is this all about? And watch some of the gameplay and went, OK, I mean, it looks okay but mm-hmm. nothing nothing blew my mind even from me you know the the retro rpg lover the sprite bit lover all that like all these things it was trying to go for it hits on some marks mm-hmm. but i don't know it's not from the outside looking in it was not blowing my mind. it was not making nothing about yeah. it that i saw made it like a must go by yeah um, like i said it's a it's a solid game in itself, it just doesn't do anything extraordinary, you know. Um, yeah. The the music for the game is really good. Um, I I don't typically care a whole lot about the music, but the title, like the title screen's music, I was like, man, this makes me want to play Final Fantasy XI, um, <laughs> which has really good, really memorable music. Um, mm-hmm. And in the game, you know, depending where you are, what's happening, you have different music, and it's all pretty solid. Um, of course there are going to be some better than others, you know, that's inevitable. Um, but no issues really with music. The art style of the game, uh, is good. Uh, the only thing I, I'm not a huge fan of is it actually does, you know, blur as the focus changes, uh, on Mm. what layer you're on or whatever. And the way it's done is a little 
annoying for my eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, not enough to really impact my gameplay, but every once in a while I'll be in an area where like 75% of the screen is blurred. <laughs> so I have just this <laughs> one spot that's not blurred and that doesn't look good. Um, yeah. Beside from that, it look it's you know solid in that aspect. Uh, the story, um, most of the characters' stories are at least interesting. Um, they tend to be very uh, for a lot of the characters, if not all of them. Uh, I'll say most because I can think of a couple that aren't really, but most of them are very emotion based. Mm-hmm. Um, so pretty much everybody has some sort of sob story attached to them, uh, yeah. which is what it is. Um, it could definitely be done without it in some cases. Uh, in some cases, it's done really well. And you're like, oh, that's sad. Um, A common complaint with the story I'm hearing so far, and again, mm-hmm. this is very early stages. So, I mean, people have probably already been past it or have been to a, a point past what I'm about to say, but... A lot of people are saying that this seems, as far as the story goes, this seems like a game that has eight random people that have their own story to tell. They just happen to be going, they just happen to meet. Yes. I don't, I'm not seeing or hearing, or people are saying they're not seeing or hearing or reading a unifying story. And that's, I mean... (laughs) <laughs> Depend depending on how far into the game that unifying thing is, that mm-hmm. could make or break that. You know, the, if if you're gonna have eight characters that have their own story, those eight stories better be really fucking good. It, they need to be to a point to where whenever they come together, the coming together parts like an afterthought. But yeah, I'm not hearing too many people saying like, yeah, there's like these 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 three people and like their story is like perfect and the other ones are good. I'm hearing like, yeah, they're you know, they're stories. Yeah, and yeah. if I look at like the uh end game mission thing, I'm actually gonna load up my game so I can take a better look. But it's mm-hmm. actually divided out, uh, I believe, by character. Um and I don't know that there's a quote unquote main storyline. So mm-hmm. far, all I have seen is, okay, you have eight people, they have various stories, which are okay in their own uh, for the most part. Uh, yeah. Of course, some I favor more than the others, but um, the uh, as far as main story, yeah, I'm on the screen now. I have eight little flags, one for each character, and the flag kind of grows as you progress in that character's story. Mm-hmm. Um so, and the way the stories are divided is they're in essentially chapters, uh, and most of them are pretty quick to go through as far as the missions themselves. Uh, I think I'm currently clocked in at 22 hours on the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I have now completed three of eight chapter two missions. Um, and I found it was about an hour to hour and a half per mission. Um, a lot of in between was actually going from place to place, uh, mm-hmm. trying to navigate, dealing with random battles, whatnot. Uh, I actually, uh, and it, one of the neat things about the world map is it shows you which city you need to get to for each character's next objective. Uh, and it gives you a level recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I was curious about when I started the game was, okay, you start out the game, your level 
recommendation is five, you know, just an arbitrary five for everybody on the map. Uh, you pick one to start with, you get to five pretty quick, and then you complete that. Well, the recommended level for everybody else for this initial earning of the characters are, I guess, technically chapter one, uh, it bumped up to seven. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. You know, I'm getting stronger. I'll just destroy everything otherwise. And then mm-hmm. it got up to, uh, I think, nine. And then 11 is basically went by twos. So by the time I got to the last character, my recommended level was, I want to say, 17. Mm-hmm. And the the first, uh, which didn't change, and I haven't seen them change at all, uh, the first Chapter 2 mission, had a the lowest one had a recommended level of 21. So it kind of does that gradual increase as you get the characters unlocked to get you to where you can do the Chapter 2 ones, which are more uh, locked in place. Um, mm-hmm. And the starting paths and stuff, they all increase up to that set amount. So, like, the starting area, I think the lowest difficulty enemy I can go to right now would be, like, level 7 or 11, one or the other. Uh, But Mm. most of the lowest ones are 11 now. So, even if I go back to the starting areas for all these characters, I still have to actually, you know, at least a little bit try in the fights. Uh, The enemies won't have a whole lot of health, but they may have, you know, three uh, hits to weaken them which I may have to hit to kill them or I can just brute force through it, uh, depending on, you know, how low they are. Yeah. So I think the level scaling works out really well for a game that gives you this many starting options, uh, without feeling like, Oh, I have to start over here because this is the lowest level area. And then I'm going to stomp everything else. You know, it's Mm -hmm. no, it gradually increases on its own. Uh, but yeah, so I'm, I have yet to even see anything that would, Okay, not true. Uh, overarching story. Uh, I'm not going to get into details because it's a bit spoilery, but I mm-hmm. have seen NPCs show up in other character stories that revolve around one of the characters. Uh, okay. So there may be, maybe, ultimately culminate in, you know, all of these issues, all of these things that are happening have some sort of similar root cause, you know, the yeah. man behind the curtain, so to speak. There may be one. Don't know. Like I said, I think I'm three out of eight on chapter two. I uh, don't know how many chapters there are. My flag, I think, is halfway. So if I look at the journal, uh, yeah, it looks halfway to me. So I'm guessing there are four chapters uh, per character. Mm-hmm. So that gives you roughly 32 story missions to go through. Uh, and each city has its own side stories or side quest uh, banner, um, which most of mine are pretty low, even though I've tried to do uh, side quests. There's a lot of traveling back and forth. Uh, the, I actually found out that some of them require you to escort a person, you know, either use a lure or a guide on them to actually mm-hmm. bring them to another town for a side quest. I was like, oh, I need to find someone to escort this person. I hadn't unlocked escort yet, you know, on either character. I had, I got to uh, dance her first, but she's my fourth character. And I ran into an NPC in like the second town I was in that needed to be escorted somewhere. I was like, okay, let me talk to other NPCs if I can find someone. I'm like, I have no idea who's going to take this person. So I'm like, all right, I guess I'll come back. <laughs> and then as I, I went back and I talked to the NPC and I was like, oh, I can escort them. 
talk to them. <laughs> the option's not grayed out. Sure enough, yep, I can escort them. So, hey, side quest nice. finally completed. Uh, nice. So there's a lot of them that require you to come back later. Uh, there are side quests that require you to steal things from NPCs around the town and then turn them in. Uh, oh, Jesus. It's pretty amusing. It's like, and it, it's kind of funny uh, that you have this party. Like, I'll have my thief and cleric all the time in my uh, thing, in my party. They're always there. She doesn't care if my, you know, thief is stealing. There's no acknowledgement of this. <laughs> so it's like, I imagine she's just sitting there, I'm not seeing this, you know. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so overall, like I said, I think it's a solid game. Um, but nothing groundbreaking, nothing, you know. It's not a... So far, I haven't seen anything that makes it a must-play. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, I don't. I'm not. I'm not saying that the game has to be groundbreaking. Uh, it definitely fits a couple things that it, I mean. Even on this, on this podcast, I've asked for, you know, I've, I've a, a a good return to the to the sprite base era. Which mm-hmm. I mean, damn, Steam is all about that. You, you <laughs> there's like the dime a dozen in Steam, but uh, having. Just, just stuff set in a fantasy world. You know, I, I like that idea. I want that. I want that. I think for me, the fact that this is a groundbreaking only hurts because I didn't know anything about it. If that makes any sense, like yeah. I knew, I kept hearing this game. I kept hearing this title being brought up again. Not with. I've heard like some podcast, some other podcasters talk about having interest in it, and I have seen some people talk about how nice it looks, etc. But again, this was not, this has not been a you know God of War ten out of ten must have. Holy yeah. shit! Throw everything else away, clear your library. It's just been repeatedly mentioned, and after a while, it's more like, okay, what is this about? And I finally saw it and went, yeah, okay. But at the end of the day, again, it doesn't have to break ground for me. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be a brand new, like, world-shaking thing. I'm sure that I, just as you have, can tear this thing apart and tell you the other games that this is mirroring and what and what it, what it came from. I hope uh, what I'm really waiting to hear, spoiler-free, from you and other people is, how's the story end up? Mm-hmm. You know, is the story worth it? Uh, it is. Is the fact that it's it looks like a pretty good RPG. Uh, it's set in sprites, pseudo 3D sort of background ish. It has eight characters that are locked into class and their own story. Like, is the whole end of the day package worth it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and only time will tell. Yeah. Uh, right now, that this game is still as of this recording. This game is still brand spanking new. So it's like what a sixty? Is it is it sixty dollars? Yeah, I don't. Okay, full yeah, price, it's, uh, it's, game. it's a full price switch game. And uh, yeah, man, like I said, time will tell. I'm not dropping sixty on a on what I saw did not make me want to immediately rush out and drop sixty. Yeah, and I, you know what, totally agree with that. Um, uh, based on what I've played. I don't think it's a $60 game. Um, kind of sad, uh, but this is going to be my probably my primary focus. I think I'm going to, you know, uh, step back a little bit on uh, Destiny 2 and try to get get through this game. Uh, I'm not saying that in a negative way, you know, like I'm trying to force my way through it. I just want to get it. Uh, I just want to play it um, and actually complete it without, you know, something else popping up. <laughs> Um, are getting too sucked into Destiny 2 still because I can grind on Destiny 2 forever. Um, 
just got that MMO grind, you know, and I don't want that to pull me from away from other games. So I'm trying to make sure I balance things enough. Because uh, it will do it. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. That was my week. Sweet. Well, for my week, uh, oh boy. <laughs> so, I say that like there's a revelation, but it's really not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it will be. We'll find out. It's <laughs> kind of sad that Adam isn't here because it was going to be sort of a real a reveal for him as well. But I'm sure he'll listen to this and uh, rage either in his car or in his house, wherever he listens to this episode at. But uh, So, uh, last week I mentioned that I was working my way through Breath of the Wild again. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was my go-to game for day, afternoon, day on end for uh, most of last week. Uh I had completed all uh all the shrines uh first. Yeah. I I believe that if if I'm not mistaken there are either two I think there's actually only two there may be three and I I, I should know this cuz I just did it but I think there are two or maybe even three uh, shrines that can't be completed until you actually finish a guardian which is basically the big one of the four big right. dungeons of the game. So I did every shrine up to that point. And again, uh, mind you, but at this point, I mean, we're talking like maybe the t- 15th or 20th shrine. I was already a powerhouse, even in master mode, but because I was using and I'm realizing how powerful I was now when I get to what, what, uh, what was my last thing I was doing, but I was using, uh, I wanted to say DLC, but not DLC, Amiibo armor mm-hmm. from Link to the Past, Link's Awakening, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Twilight Princess. And again, as soon as I got the four first, uh, shrines knocked out and got the, got the abilities and got the ability to leave the main area, I was booking for, I was booking for hot spots for all kind of things like top ingredients to make food, uh, clothing to, to manage weather, elixirs to go through the volcano area, fairies to, to revive myself from flying, killing lionels and getting weapons, going to main weapon. Like again, this is from a, a the mindset of somebody who's been through this game a few times and I know what to farm and where to farm it. And especially with the ability, even, uh, even if I think the, the most troubling thing for me to farm uh, which I stopped actually farming and just kind of kind of did them as I as I go as I went through the game was the uh, the the star the star pieces because they only happen so much even even though they do you can still farm them you know, there's still a way to uh, go to a specific area and set up this look in this direction it gives you the most field of view <laughs> and then put your fire down and rest till mm-hmm. this specific time and then watch and it gives you this this place gives you a perfect vantage point to where when one drops you can reach the star piece in like two minutes flat Mm -hmm. so there's even even with the like uh the dragons as well the uh uh pause time so very sorry this is a breath of the wild discussion this game has been out for over a year but again just in case uh spoiler warning in case i do give away the because i've seen all behind the curtain in this game uh so you've been warned uh, even when it comes to farming dragon pieces from the dragons, there's still, there's every one of them, there's a place where you can camp out 
and a dragon will be in your face within like a minute. You can hit whatever you need to swoop down, grab the item, go back, go to an, set up another fire, reprint and repeat. Almost anything that you need in that game is completely farmable, completely accessible. And that was something I was exploiting very, very early in the game in this master mode because I knew it was going to try to kick me in the teeth. And I was yeah. ready for it. Having done all that, spending all those hours that like I would do like two or three shrines and then go farm for like like two to three hours like that was my pattern for a good while doing that made me like unstoppable uh it even got to the point where uh even the silver lionels weren't even that much of a challenge they were time consuming and they were definitely rough but I I was taking them on like it was a it was I was going lionel hunting and having fun doing it, which again is good for me. It's it it added more fun to the game. Once I had everything that I kind of wanted to go hunt for, once I had a good set of weapons and uh, I had done all the shrines that I could do and had all the armor that I needed and I had access to everywhere, it was now time for me to go start the the guardians. Before I started the Guardians, I stopped. I thought, wait a minute. Once I beat the four Guardians and then go do the last two, maybe three shrines, then I go beat Ganon and that's it. So this game is like downhill from here. I've already done so much of the quote-unquote hard work. The long leg of this game, I've already done. So this game's pretty much over once I start the Guardians. They're they're not that hard. It'll be interesting to see how difficult they are. The the bosses will be, but again, I know all the equipment I'm bringing to the to the fight. It's not really going to be at all. So yeah. the main reason why I wanted to go back into this game, aside from doing my own personal homework and seeing how I feel about it, uh, so long since I uh so far away from the last time I played it was all the DLC was finally out, and I had only done a little bit of the first DLC, so it was time to get in and get all this DLC started. Sure. Uh, there's all kind of things you can do in the DLC. There's different armor pieces you unlock. There's different weapons you can go find. There's, uh, of course, the master mode itself, which is a harder difficulty. Enemies uh, hit harder. They take a lot more. The usual, the usual difficulty spike shit. Uh, they have a quest called the, uh, the the quest of the sword. I believe it's called something of the sword. Uh, and this is what this is the first thing I wanted to get into. Now I know because I've already had it spoiled, and it, I think I think he actually tells you uh, the great Deku tree tells you this whenever you go talk to him that once you finish this mode, you basically unlock the master sword. Which means that he does that it does sixty damage to every enemy, not just guardian specific enemies or enemies in the uh, enemies in the Hyrule Castle. Okay, that's cool, but I'm walking around toting these silver lionel swords that do like fifty eight damage a piece anyway, or fifty eight <laughs> damage. So fifty eight of those and a sixty sword, nah, eh, that's not really gonna do much for me. This is what kills it for me. What would make this... I think we actually brought this up, Chris, in the episode where we talked about uh, Breath of the Wild. This was an opportunity for Nintendo to make... To, to add a little bit more crispness to this game. And they chose not to. 
that's the only thing that it does to the Master Sword, from what I can find. Uh, I haven't done any deep, deep research, but I don't think there is much deep research to do. I, from what I understand, when you finish the, 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 I'm gonna have to look it up now because it's pissing me off. <laughs> the, the, it's like the sword, the, the quest of the sword, the mission of the sword, uh-huh. something. Whenever you finish this DLC, the, the actual quest, all it does is give you that 60 damage to everybody and that's it. It would have been perfect. For them to say, this, whether it keeps the damage or not, this makes it where your Master Sword doesn't fucking break. Yeah. This makes it where the Master Sword does not go away ever. That's what it should have done. And it didn't. And I think it's 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 kind of sad because it's that that's twice over that this this game could have been it could have been perfect. Uh I said the same thing the first time I actually got the Master Sword, that I think the fact that it goes away, I say break, but it's more like it disappears. It loses yeah. power is what they say. The fact that it... the Okay, you, it takes so much to get the Master Sword in that game. It takes a lot of yeah. hearts, which there, which there means there's a lot of shrines you have to go through. There is a good bit of legwork. Whether you know the legwork or not is irrelevant. There's a lot of work to get that sword. And in the time of you not having a Master Sword to having a Master Sword, you're going to go through a long list of, of weapons to use. From fucking tree twigs to double-handed great swords to uh, flaming wands that shoot out fireballs. All these weapons that are you're going to get, you're going to like, they're going to break, you're going to be mad, you're going to have to find them again, etc., etc. It would have been great, period, to just have the Master sword and it not break like that should be a, that should be the reward of having the master sword you know you have this sword that after yeah. all this shit you went through you have one that doesn't break that it my didn't. biggest annoyance okay okay i guess i get it you're really really following through with this breaking weapons thing mm-hmm. to the master sword but you're not saying it breaks you're just saying it loses power okay sure game whatever now <laughs> this trial of the sword comes out that's what it's effectually called mm-hmm. and you're thinking perfect so if you do this thing, then it will not be unbreakable or not lose its power. No, it just unlocks the power cap for it. It, it it's I, uh, that rubs me the wrong way. I just I hate it's it's a missed yeah. opportunity that I that's twice over that just it, it aggravates me. So anyway, I go the I go get the master sword and again, I fucking love. I love love that is the best way to unlock the master sword in any zelda game and i'm talking about even my favorites i love the fact of you having to increase his hearts and then physically as you're pulling the sword out it's zapping his his strength and he's pulling out like just little by little i love it i love every it was was so good to do that again and every time you think you're about to pull it out nope (laughs) yep i think I think I went, I think 13 is the heart you have to have. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. Sounds and I think right. I went, yeah. And I think I went there with 12. And I mean, the tension <laughs> was there. The tension was there. And right when the, like the half, the Deku Tree said, stop. You're not, 
you're going to kill yourself if you do that. Stop doing that. I was like, oh, man, I was so close. <laughs> uh, the way the camera slowly zooms in, the way he slowly pulls it up inch by inch, man, I, ugh, it's so good. That is one of the coolest things. I love that so much about that game. So I get the Master Sword out. I got all this shit going on. And uh, he's like, hey, come back here if you want to do the Trial of the Sword. Okay, here I am. I have nothing else to do. I'm going to do it now. Let's go. I get into the Trial of the Sword. This is basically Eventide Island times like 90. Uh, for those that don't know that haven't done the quest in this game, there's an island in the southeastern part of the map, and it's all, it's way out there by itself. Uh, it's called Eventide Island. And the, mm-hmm. the gimmick, so to speak, of this island is that you are stripped of everything. Your weapons, your armor, your food, your ingredients everything you have lost it all except for your abilities your bomb your magnesis etc uh and you have to basically solve the puzzle of the island that's as much as i'm going to tell you you can figure out on your own how to do the island well that's what the trial of the sword is they put you in these what i discovered later there's three difficulties quote unquote the first difficulty has like eight or ten rooms the second one has like 20 and the last one has like 20 or 30 i could have those numbers wrong don't give a fuck the point is you are thrust into this trial and you have nothing Mm -hmm. you have the shit that they give you in the rooms you basically go room to room You, you start in a room there's some enemies off in the corner and there's usual breath of the wild stuff around you there's some stones there's some twigs uh there's a camp place where the enemies are at which has a couple weapons maybe something a little a meat on the skewer etc etc and you basically have to use your knowledge of the game uh and skills to beat the enemies when you beat the enemies you go to the next room and then so on and so forth uh the first time I did this, I cleared the entire first area. I don't want to say no problem. It was definitely challenging. It was at this point that I realized exactly how powerful that armor had made me because a little fucking Bokoblin hit me one time and took off like seven hearts. I was like, <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Well, this is not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. But use again when you come from all the shit that I had already done fighting Lionels doing getting getting better at parrying getting buried at flurry rushes and all that shit it was it was a little it, it, it's just time consuming because I'm in master mode and I'm fighting bokoblins with twigs yeah. or I'm throwing rocks at them or I'm <laughs> I'm throwing bombs at them uh, another thing about master mode for people that don't know the enemy's health regenerates so if I walk up to a bokoblin and I swipe at them their health goes down a little bit depending on the weapon after about five seconds of me not doing more damage their health starts to regenerate you have to constantly keep attacking them for them to die and unfortunately though your bombs are powerful they're very versatile they're a good utility tool they're not exactly the most powerful if you're gonna bomb like uh, a mocoblin the big tall ones i had to i bombed one of those to death because i literally had nothing else around me <laughs> and throwing boulders or throwing rocks wasn't doing any good mm-hmm. i think it took me about 15 solid minutes of of throwing a bomb Jeez. backing up throwing a bomb backing up all the while trying <laughs> not to alarm other enemies etc yeah, yeah it was a fun it was a fun time um uh, I made it all the way through the first difficulty area uh which I'm guessing this is for 
I, I guess you beat a difficulty area and then they throw you into a room that doesn't have enemies. It's more like a, more like a treasure trove area. You can find some, some ingredients. There's treasure chests with maybe like swords and shields and it's like a reward slash preparation area. I, uh, fucked up and let a fucking fairy loose and didn't catch it. And that pissed me off because I, I would love to have a fairy in this area, but mm-hmm. that got away. So I got these items mangled together and went to the next area, which was, I guess, like the medium difficulty type thing. And again, the, the, the room count, from what I understand, basically doubles. There's a small amount of rooms for the, for the easy difficulty. There's like twice the amount and then twice the amount again, something like that. Uh, I made it about three rooms in and was getting my shit kicked in. And I had almost, I had used up all my food. I couldn't cook because everybody kept hitting me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my shield broke. All of my shields were breaking. My bow, I've, I've used, I had like, like 40 something arrows stocked up. Those all got wasted. <laughs> uh, swords were breaking. I was down to twigs and I was down to bombs and I died and I was like, all right, that's okay. Uh, I, let's see where I wind up at. They put me back talking to the Deku tree. So, if you're going to do the Trial of the Sword, you have to do the entire Trial of the Sword in one go. Wow. Um, now, I'm here's a few extra caveats, okay? Because I did go try this again before I got fed up, and it was actually time for me to go to sleep anyway. <laughs> uh, you may or may not be able to save... In one of those middle areas, I don't know. I didn't save. I was so frustrated at the fact, like, I was really pissed off. I lifted up a rock and a fairy went away, and dumbass me did not even think to capture it. I, I don't know what I was thinking. I fucked it up. No, no, no. I'm sorry. It didn't fly away. It was in the area, and I ran up to it like a dumbass instead of sneaking up to it, and it flew away. <laughs> so I was so flustered by that that I didn't even think to try to save. So yeah. maybe you can save in that area. I kind of doubt it. Uh, the difficulty spike again with it being in master mode is there. If you're, don't go through that first area thinking it's easy because the second area, which is only the medium difficulty apparently, started kicking my ass big time. Mm-hmm. And there's also the mental note of, okay, once I get past these rooms, which there are twice as many rooms as the one I just went through, I'm going to go to another spike of difficulty, and those rooms are three times as much. At the end of the day, when I do all this, Michael, what is my reward going to be? The Master Sword is going to be level 60 for every enemy. I say level 60, but it's 60 damage. Right. Doesn't really mean shit to me. Because it still breaks, and I can go out and kick a Silver Lionel's ass in about five minutes. So, if I do this whole Trial of the Sword, it's just to have a notch on my belt. It's just to do it for the experience. It's sad that it's not for the reward that it's supposed to be for. I really, really wish I could, I would, I would, I really wish that I wanted to do this because at the end of the day, I had one weapon, powerful or not, that I could swing away and never have to worry about breaking. Mm-hmm. Um, so once that happened, I, I put the game down. I uh, kind of fucked around in Steam for a little bit. I played some more of my Steam library games. Went back and, again, just played like four or five random various titles. Put some more time into some. Tried some more. I did go back to that Mutant Mud game. Uh, I just I was in the mood for a platforming shooter collect jewel type game. And started playing Final Fantasy VIII. 
because okay. I said I said last episode or or episode before that I was really really debating on trying to play this yeah. game again. Uh, for those that didn't that haven't heard, uh, I have played Final Fantasy VIII twice in my entire life. This is a big thing for me because Final Fantasy was a huge like tentpole RPG franchise. Uh, we'll have a whole Final Fantasy episode someday, trust me. But uh, Final Fantasy has gone way down the tubes for me over the years, and I'm not alone. There are many, many, many just like me. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, I may, maybe because recently I played Final Fantasy VII, I just went through that whole entire game again. That makes somewhere in the neighborhood of ten times I've played through seven. Hey, uh, Michael. Yeah. Just... Uh to remind you, episode 24 was a series and review for Final Fantasy. Well, maybe what I meant to say is I, I was literally thinking in my head, but of course people can't read my mind. We were going to have a, uh, uh, not a series and review, but a rise and fall series we were going to start. Okay. And that's sure. going to be one of them is uh, Square slash Final Fantasy. So uh, I was thinking more of the the fall and the negative things about Final Fantasy and Square in general. But that that's down the road. That's much more to come. But yes, I played uh, I played Final Fantasy VIII twice in my life, and I know from talking hours combined into days upon end with Adam that Adam cannot stand Final Fantasy VIII. Uh, I want to say Final Fantasy VIII was his breaking point for the entire series. May have even been some points about seven, but I know definitely eight he doesn't like. I don't think you cared for eight too much. Yeah, I um, eight has issues for me but my biggest one was that my uh save got corrupted and then my disc got yeah. scratched so i never finished it yeah um but my biggest gripe about the game is the uh draw system mm-hmm. so in my mind uh being 36 years old now this game came out in 98 99 i want to say it was somewhere around that time as i pause for time while i look it up <laughs> real quick i have to know because i remember being shocked by the release date uh i put final final eight good god 1999 oh, 1999 yeah okay so in 1999 in my personal life i was a junior in high school uh, fixing to be a senior. I don't remember when this came out. February eleventh, ninety nine. Yep. So I was a junior. I might have been either a late junior or early senior when I first played this game. If I'm really getting down to like the month time frame, I don't remember. But sometime between this and before I graduated high school in like May of two thousand, I had played through this game twice. I had I have never even like not even started and just didn't go through it again. I have not played this game at all since like that time of 2000. So with all the negativity I hear from Adam, with the complaints I hear from you, with the very up and down but mostly negative, almost at times horrid shit that I hear about Final Fantasy VIII from other people, just the random like air of the world. I personally don't remember a fucking thing about this game. A fact that is coming to more realization the further I go into it. 
Uh, I could, if I can take myself to like a week ago and remember before I started playing this game, of course, I remember the cast of characters. I remember the, there's some weird like story contrivance with these other three characters. There's like some time travel. A sorcerer was like a, a maid or, or, or a, a nurse or a adopted mother or something. I don't, I, I barely remember the story. I remember there being some building that like had four drills and goes underneath the ground i think that was a prison uh i remember there being an airship that turned into a dragon basically that's Hmm. fucking cool uh but maybe one or two more little bitty things i don't remember anything about this game this is a four disc RPG. This is a yeah. Final Fantasy fucking RPG that I have played in my life at least twice, and I can barely remember a fucking thing about it. So, not only the fact that I can barely remember things, anything about it, the fact that it's been close enough to two decades since I have actually played this game, I was having this inner turmoil where like, yeah, I feel like I'm, I felt like I was bandwagoning. I felt like I was hearing other people tell me that Final Fantasy VIII was so horrible. And I was going, yeah, fuck that game. (laughs) But when I actually question myself, it's not that I don't disagree with people. It's that I don't fucking know, Mm -hmm. you know? So I decided to go back through Final Fantasy VIII and play this game. Uh, there are many other RPGs that I could have done this to. I know Adam really wants me to go through and play Xenogears because we have like a kind of a game pack we're going through. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actually in the mood. I've been in the mood to play Kingdom Hearts again, but more on that when I get through with this four hour Final Fantasy VIII tirade. Uh, <laughs> I just said fuck it and started playing Final Fantasy VIII. Now, I own a physical copy of Final Fantasy VIII. So what I'm about to say next is going to sound like it's legal. Fuck you. I own the copy of the game. This is something that Adam holds over my head for years that I actually owned Final Fantasy VIII. I mean, I do too. The process for me getting to play this game on a fucking emulator was pissing me off. I don't know what the fuck has happened to my PlayStation emulator or the settings or what the fuck has been going on, but I was using EPSXE for the longest time and yeah. I had no problem playing any fucking game ever, ever. One, it took close to three hours of me troubleshooting ESPXE and Final Fantasy VIII through multiple copies of the ROM and multiple settings types across the board and multiple forms reading and all I kept hearing was, dude, this game works perfect for me i don't know what the fuck you're doing i'm like mm-hmm. i didn't fucking do anything it's just it was having all these technical issues it was having this double reverb audio thing where every like if i would have click if i clicked a button i would hear the chime twice <laughs> music would repeat twice sound effects would repeat twice i get into a battle i would have no battle menus even though i could select things i could hear what i was <laughs> selecting uh if when the game went from one what cut scene when the game went from one if i went from one area to another the fucking sprites would wig out in between as the screen was fading out and fading back in uh just across the board having all these issues i said fuck it here's what i'm gonna do um i'm gonna research on my lunch break tomorrow at work and i'm gonna see if i can find maybe another emulator maybe some more maybe something else some other avenue and i found another avenue which was another emulator and i said okay i'm gonna i'm gonna try this one is it uh is it psx fen 
No, oh, it is okay. uh, Met Mednafen. That's what I'm using. Okay. Uh, very command line based emulator, by the way. It definitely took some. It takes some getting used to, but once you understand it, it it's it's all right. I said, okay, I'm gonna get this fucking emulator. I'm gonna download it. I'm gonna install it. I still got my games there. Still got my ROM. So all I gotta do is just try. And I'm not gonna spend any more than fucking thirty minutes on this shit. If I have to configure things longer than that, and it's and it's still not working, fuck Final Fantasy VIII. In the back of my head, a little fucking annoying fairy chimes off as you have a copy of the game. You've got a PlayStation. <laughs> just hook the PlayStation up. No, I'm lazy. I don't want to fucking do that. I never had a pro. I never had a problem with a PlayStation emulator. Never have never run any issues with that. For some reason, this was not fucking working. And I try. I tried a couple other games, and other games seems to have sort of same. It was just too much hassle. Chris, you know what I mean. When you get to a point, you're like, I'm done. Like I, I I, I, I can't even get the fucking problem. I can't even get the problems to to recreate themselves. So now I don't even know what the fucking problem is. I'm looking for anymore. Yeah, I don't know what happened to that emulator. I that's the one I used to use as well. It was the only one in existence for the longest time and it worked perfectly yeah um but when i went to start speed running Final Fantasy 7 i had the same issue i was like i've played this game before yeah on emulator i'm pretty sure but it just had issues and i actually went on the uh i talked about before the final fantasy uh speed running community discord and mm-hmm. i was like hey uh i'm having issues can someone tell me you know is a particular settings i need or whatever and they're like don't even bother go use a uh, PSX fin instead. I was like, okay. Yeah. And I went yeah. per work, like literally like three minutes and I was set. Yeah. That's kind of how Mendefin was for me. Uh, unfortunately for Mendefin, it's very, like I said, it's very command based. I mean, you have one config file, which, mm-hmm. well, I mean, most of them have one anyway, but that's where you do a lot of your editing, where if you want to change the screen size or toggle buttons or whatnot, and that, that's a fucking notepad plus plus document that's yeah. millions of lines long. So it def it's a lot of intuitiveness to get, it's, it's, it's a lot of working. To, hmm. to do things you wanted to do, but again, it's damn near one-to-one emulation. No problems, no audio fuck-ups, no, no graphical fuck-ups, everything, the videos play smooth, the game plays smooth, no problem. Uh, oh man, I just, I, I wish I should, I should have took notes of all the shit I went through, mm-hmm. like, the problems that I kept having and it's like oh we'll try this and I'd try that and it would fix one problem but two other ones would pop up oh well we'll try this thing and it would fix one of those two and then it would not fix the other one it would bring an old one anyway got the fucker to working uh, it just took an incredibly long time and again I know all I really had to do was go hook my fucking playstation yeah. up I could have done that but you know what I actually it, downloaded it off steam when I started playing it again Yeah, I, I, th- I thought about that I thought about it, but that game is like 12 bucks on Steam. And I was like, man, this game was on sale for four bucks. You should have did that when it was on sale. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not paying the, that's when I got it. The fuck you price to me was not going to be spending 12 bucks. If it came to that point, I would go just hook up the PlayStation. I said, no, I'm going to get this to work the way I want to. Uh, and there's other reasons too. I mean, I like having an emulator mainly for save states. I like the ability of going, Oh shit, I need to go start laundry, save state, get the fuck out of my seat. 
not have to wait around to go find a save point. Mm-hmm. Custom screen resolutions, adding adding shaders and all this stuff to make the game look the way you want it to. Whatever. people. This is emulation. People know all about it. Moving on. So, uh, overarching overarching thoughts on this game before I get in these few notes. Uh, I'm kind of sort of liking it. It's more like a six and a half, seven out of ten. I don't want to put it at middle ground. Uh, I mean, I kind of want to put it more toward the six. I kind of want to put it toward the more toward the middle ground. Uh, If I'm taking it off the hype of seven, and if I'm balancing that with the way people say it's bad, Mm -hmm. and the way that like I'm kind of having a blank stare as I'm playing it. It's 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 a little bit it's a little bit above average. I haven't found anything so far that makes me want to turn this game off. I haven't really found anything in here that's horrible. I've made a lists. I've made a couple lists uh, of pros and cons, but nothing has been like man. Actually, there's more pros in this in my playthrough so far than there than there are cons i don't have an actual time right now because i didn't take it last night when i stopped playing but as far as the content in the game goes i am the i'm at the place where i'm about to go uh assassinate the sorcerer sorcerer uh adia i believe her name is adia i don't I don't know that we didn't have a way to pronounce the name back in the day and i never looked it up Uh either so adia uh and I just got through, I just had the cutscene where Final Fantasy VIII spoilers, I guess, sure. Uh, I just had the cutscene where she was controlling Renoa and the fucking statues came to life and they're attacking her and uh, that's where I am. That's the part in the game that I'm that I'm at, which if I remember right, that's pretty close to the end of the first disc. I think when Adia does the ice through his chest i think is the end of first disc but i i don't know it's been a while and again i'm not seeing really much in here that's making me completely just vomit over this game mm-hmm. um i haven't really decided how i want to talk about this i guess i'll talk with i guess i'll say the cons first why not try to end this try to end this session on a on a positive note all right uh so very early in the game uh, I had a very odd. Sh- I, th- th- I took one note and it took another note immediately after it. Uh, it has a very odd shop system. It said like the building I came across was named a shop, but it was solely for upgrading weapons. I was like, well, what? This is, this is not a shop. This is like a, why doesn't it say weapons? Why doesn't it have like a weapon symbol? Mm-hmm. Kind of nitpicking the system, but sure. I, I felt it was justified when you see shop. I mean, that could mean many things, but typically I think of like items. But then I went one screen over and took another note. Oh, all I had to do was walk one more screen. That there's the okay. 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 I also was thinking that apparently this little town I didn't notice the screen spot where I could walk through, so I thought this town only had that shop and that shop was only a weapon upgrade shop. I was kind of getting pissed off at that more than anything. Like, how does that is there no item shop? Mm-hmm. No magic shop? No, I don't. Sure, whatever. And of course, I go one screen over and there's an item shop. Um, I will say that coming from the Esper system and then coming from the Materia system, 
going to the draw slash junction system, I don't care for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do get it now that I'm doing it. Uh, it just this is this is an argument I made before in another episode. Is I I just think it's too much hassle. Yeah, uh, exactly. The so the Guardian Force system as a whole, where you basically click one thing at a time and you learn these spells one thing at a time. Uh, I mean, that is what it is. I really prefer the Esper Materia where, like, you equip a Materia and you have, like, a rate that you learn everything. Sure. So, you know, if you want to learn the really powerful spell, that's that's going to take you, like, 50 battles. But if you want to learn, like, the first level fire spell, it's going to only take, you know, like, five or six. Mm-hmm. Um, but this thing having... You know, your guardian force junctions to your character, which means it, it basically they're attached to each other. And then your guardian force is learning things, learning abilities and traits, uh, doing that one by one. Uh, I don't really care for that. Uh, it is sort of pseudo convenient that once you learn one ability, you don't actually have to go click another ability. They will automatically start learning another ability. Yeah. But when there, when you make a mental list of the abilities you want to learn in the order you want to learn them at, you still have to go back and you know, hey, I learned this one. Now I got to go change the other yeah. one. A little bit of time consuming there. Uh, that combined with the draw system, yes, I completely agree. Having to draw magic from enemies and out in the real world to use it, uh, it's just that's just a hassle to me. It's just a hassle. Uh. I, I was I was trying to be internally critical about that, where I was thinking, okay, well, it was nice having ninety nine fire three spells, but are you or enough? It was nice having enough magic points where you could theoretically cast fire three fifty times, but are you literally going to cast that many times? And aren't <laughs> you just going to go to a hotel anyway, or pop a ten up and get all your AP back? Mm-hmm. I thought that trying to be trying to put some points in favor of Final Fantasy VIII, but when I once I actually drew the magic in the game, I spend too much time getting the magic back. Like, there is no... You don't sleep to get magic. You know, if if I... If I go out in the world and I draw fire, fire from a point and I get five, when I cast those five, that's it. The only way to get more fire is to draw them from that point or draw them from an enemy. You can't mm-hmm. sleep and you get those five back. So you can understand that over time, that's it's it's just a hassle. It's yep. I get it. It's just more hassle than what it's worth, and I don't, I don't care for it. Is it the most horrible thing in the world? No, I'd I'd be pressed to think of more horrible ones, but it just it it it, it pads it pads the shit that you have to do in this game. Uh. The timing, man, I guess I should have put my pros first, but there is <laughs> so the idea of having timed inputs in the battle, I like. I've liked that ever since Super Mario uh, RPG did it. That was the first RPG for me that ever had that. Mm-hmm. And I love that. My issue with Final Fantasy VIII is that the timing for the inputs in this game seems so fucking precise. And there's no real instructions on when to do them, uh, to learn them. You, you basically have to try and you keep trying till you get it right. Yeah. So if you're playing a squall, 
they will tell you, hey, you have attack command. So whenever you go to swing at an enemy, if you press this button at the, at, the, at the right time, then you potentially can do some more damage. The thing is, they don't tell you, they don't even give you a hint of when that time is. If there's a way in a tutorial that I haven't read, because I know there's a tutorial segment in this game that has like a lot of text, then my fault. I just haven't read it. But... I figured out Squall's pretty easy, but once you get Renoa and you get Zell and you get Selfie, all of them have their own specific precise time that you have to hit it. And this is, this is, this is me being a pissy little whining complaining guy. I get it. You have to, you have to do a lot of guessing, checking and a lot of testing to figure out where that input needs to happen. Once you do learn that, then it's just on you to get it right. Yeah. I just feel that that fucking window is very, very, very small. And that combined with having to figure out when to do it on your own just makes it eh, eh. Uh, overworld movement, very herky jerky. Uh, you do not use an analog stick in this game. You use the D-pad, and I'm all for using the D-pad. Do not misunderstand that any way, shape, or form. I love using the D-pad for movement. I have no problem using D-pad for movement. To the point of when I play a lot of my Steam games, like you know the 700 I just bought in the last Steam sale, and I go play those, and it's like a side-scrolling platformer, and they 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 force me to use a an analog stick. Fuck that. I hate that. I go immediately to the options and find a way to use a D-pad. I love the movement with a D-pad. However, in Final Fantasy VIII, the world of movement is very herky-jerky with that D-pad. Uh, it seems very sensitive. It seems like... Okay, Chris, you would mm-hmm. know from looking at a map in, let's say, Final Fantasy VII, that if you are walking through a down a street in Final Fantasy VII, and it was a, ro- it was a street, and... At the top right corner of your screen starts the road, and the bottom left corner of the screen ends the road. You know that you're going to have to hold your your D-pad in a diagonal motion to move up. Common sense. Mm-hmm. In Final Fantasy VIII, there are way too many instances and way too many areas where that diagonal is kind of shifted toward the left a little bit, or kind of shifted down a little bit, mm-hmm. and you're trying to move your finger between diagonal left diagonal left it's just it's just fucking herky-jerky <laughs> it's just a little bit off they mm-hmm. use the artist the, the the artistry of the worlds are they have that painted look i get that they look pretty cool but i think they went i think they focus more on the world look than controlling your character on the world sure uh it's just a little off again not the worst it's just off uh very odd direction and design when I was first playing as uh, Laguna and Ward and Kiros. I don't remember why I put this note. Um, I th- I think this may have been the same thing, like just the just how I was controlling them. It was it may have just been overworld controlling for all I know. Uh, and very it was a slightly convoluted complex train puzzle segment when all you were trying to do was capture the president I thought that thing was just it was a lot of instructions for this whole big train ordeal and I felt like the idea was cool that just had too much nah, yeah, that's just me complaining that's not again that's not a horrible thing not a deal breaker it's just man this mm-hmm. is a very complex train puzzle segment we're going through we're just kidnapping a president uh, the twist with him being like a fake was pretty cool, but whatever. Pros. 
pros that I like so far. Chris, I still love this intro cinematic. Yeah. I love the intro to this game. It does have some very, you know, airy art art artistic shit to it you know it, it's trying to be artsy fartsy at points i get that <laughs> i I'm, I'm not i'm not blind to that yeah but the music the sound design the the actual fight between squall and uh oh god oh god I just fucking blanked. Squall and uh-huh. Cypher. Good yeah. God. <laughs> Thank you for not giving me that. I literally just, my eyes went wide. Audience could not see them. And I was like, how the fuck do I not remember his name? <laughs> I just had a cut scene. It was, it was very important. The, the one that shows him back and not dead, which I knew he wasn't dead, but, uh, yeah, I really love that cutscene. As old and dated as it is, as the graphics are, I love the I love them swinging those. Oh God, the fucking gun blades that are so fucking impractical. There's no mm-hmm. like Cipher kind of gets away with his because his uh buttstock is kind of elongated, and it seems like Squalls is more pistol like. I'm like, you're not gonna yeah. fucking fight somebody like that. There's no way, man. Come on. Uh, maybe if you're cloud and you're super fucking strong to where angles and geometry don't matter, but whatever. Seeing those two fighting in that movie and hearing the fucking clangs of their sword come together and the swelling of the operatic music that's playing and, you know, him scarring his face and doing the whole, f- the, the scene, the, the, uh, his first limit break is that fire move where the screen comes into his hand and it blows up and having that at the beginning of the movie. Oh man, all mm-hmm. that. Mm. Still love that cutscene. Um, I've always liked the music in Balam Garden. I always have. And again, uh, I want to. Br- I'm going to m- give a shout out to God. I want to say it was. I hope I get this right. I hope it was two best friends. It was either them or it was Giant Bomb or Easy Halley. It was one of my podcast people. And they were bringing a discussion about uh, pronouncing people's names. And they're like, yeah, well, this is a game that was released in 1995. The internet wasn't even really around. And even then, there wasn't like a plethora of, of pronunciation. And they didn't even have voice dialogue. So mm-hmm. I'm sorry that I pronounced, you know, her name Aris. That's all I knew it was. Same thing with this. You know, it could be Balam Garden for all I know. Balam sounds good. It rolls off the tongue for me. That's how I always say it. Uh, I always like the music there. It's always been one of my favorite tracks in the game. Uh, Yeah, so here we go. Input commands during battle. I love that. When I saw that, I had completely forgot that was a fucking thing. Uh, This is 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 how much of this game I've forgotten. Yes, Mm -hmm. there is. When you are in a fight, just like old games like Mario RPG, if you press a button at a specific time, you can increase your damage. Cool. I love that. And then I went on to put the note about, yeah, by the way, it's, it, the implementation sucks. Mm-hmm. I've seen way better, seen it done way better. Uh, this was a very cool personal thing for me. This is something I've mentioned in a, in a previous, previous podcast as well. And I think, uh, I think Adam even brought it up as well that this game doesn't. I just forgot the enemies scale to you in this game. Uh, they actually scale to the party average. Very cool for me. I discovered this very, very early on because I stepped outside and uh, did some battles in the local area and got about two or three levels. Uh, I stepped into the forest and apparently there's like a 
there's like a a big like slug kind of monster like a uh, like a caterpillar monster that apparently has seven million hit points and kept killing me i went to another forest and found a much less powerful but still good xp enemy i got up to like level seven or eight something like that i forget what level i was at i don't remember i i did get an extreme amount of levels for me and then i went back to the beginning area and started finding enemies and it was taking almost the same amount of time to kill them and i was doing like, I was doing more damage, but they were dying. I'm like, I know these fuckers die in, like, 250 hit points. Why are they not dying at 900? Did some research. Enemies scale to you. This will be beneficial for me on a personal note for later on in the game because I fucking hate... <laughs> I hate in any game, specifically RPGs, when they give you the end goal. The end goal of the story game is to beat this boss. But we also have this side boss. This side boss is very fucking powerful. Has like millions more hit points. And it's going to take a lot more leveling and knowledge and all that to kill them. You kill them, you go back to the story enemy or story boss, you fucking wipe them off the floor in three hits. I don't think this game is going to do that because the enemies are going to scale. This is going to be very interesting to see how the enemies progressively scale with me. And it's also going to be interesting to see how I think this one has Ozma. I think Ozma was the secret boss of this one. It was either that or nine. Ozma was, was either eight or nine. I don't remember. But I do remember there being a super powerful hidden, like secret extra boss in eight. And it's going to be interesting to see what it's, what it's like to fight him if he scales with me. So that means it's going to, the game is, the, the fights are going to rely more on my skill than just how much shit I have. Same goes yeah. for the last boss of the game too. So what, what I read is that some bosses have a cap because otherwise they'd be impossible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that, that's good. That's still good. Um, I haven't found any places yet that I really, really want to farm and grind just yet. I haven't really got to the point where I've had to either, so mm-hmm. we'll see. Uh, various dialogue pop-ups throughout the game that I wasn't expecting. For example, in one of the early missions of the game, I was uh, went off, to, and I'm talking like the first mission of the game, I went to go fight Shiva. I'm sorry, I went to go fight uh, Ifrit <laughs> and gain him as a guardian force, and I had used Shiva a couple times in that match, and when Ifrit died, he was like, yeah, I underestimated Shiva. Uh, apparently, if you don't have that and you just beat him normally without calling Shiva, he doesn't say that. So, different dialogue pop-ups, pop-ups in this game mm-hmm. that can or can't happen. Cool. Nice plus. Uh, another thing that I I do like and have always liked, uh, I've, been, I've been feverishly, or I'd say religiously almost, doing this every place I go. I love Triple Triad. <laughs> I'm still a big fan of the Triple Triad game, and... I like the fact that they tether the ability to talk to somebody and or challenge them to a card game to the same button. You can use this button to talk to somebody. If you press this other button, they'll also just talk to somebody. But if they have the option to fight them, that option will come first. I like that. That Mm -hmm. saves me the guessing game of let me talk to you. Okay, now let me talk to you in hopes that you're going to fight me. Uh, It saves me time, and I like that. No complaints with Triple Triad. I mean, I liked it when I was playing 14. I still like it here. I wish I was better at it. 
Yeah, I like <laughs> uh, challenging all the people and challenging them multiple times to where I get one of every card that I don't have from them. I like that they show like the card. Like if you fight somebody and they have a card that you don't have and you win, uh, every card that's in white is one you already have. One that's in blue is one you don't have, so you can select nice. it pretty easily in case you forget. Because mm-hmm. I think I'm up to like sixty something cards now. I lost count about twenty. Mm-hmm. So I would see and I'd be like, I think. I have that card. I don't know if I do, and they would let me know. Uh, little little story thing that I thought was really cool, or, or just kind of cute, I guess. I like how uh, Keistus always calls out Squall's shit. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, this is going to be part of my negative thing as well, but Squall has this uh, whatever, and I love when she calls him out. Like she repeat, she knows what he's gonna say. She repeats his shit and gets gets a laugh out of it. He's like, "I'm more complex than you think." Uh, as he flicks his hair to the <laughs> side, what a fucker. Uh, that is a negative though. That I will say, I I really forgot how bad he was. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, my complaint about Cloud in Final Fantasy VII was. His abrasiveness, his negative attitude was very abrasive, and I didn't care for it because I didn't understand the justification behind it. He kicks the door in. One, he's fighting with Avalanche. You understand early in the game, Final Fantasy VII spoilers, I guess, you've been warned. You find out early in the game that Cloud is fighting with Avalanche because of the money. That's what he's there for. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, I'll do this mission for you because you're going to pay up. Some, my complaint with that is sometime in the first disc, at some point, he, even though he says he doesn't care about the world and doesn't care about what's going on, he acts like he just doesn't care about the world's problems. He like full tilt shifts and is like, yes, I care about the world. We need to save the world. And I, I must have missed some dialogue or something. I don't know when that happened or why it happened, but it happened. And eight, and again, just talking, talking of the story where I am right now, Squall has not had a tonal shift, but that's not my problem with him. He is an asshole of, he is a fucking asshole. Like he is cold and he is written to be this like, he takes whatever to a whole new level. Like his other CD members are coming to him with problems and he's like blowing them off. Like, I don't care. Why would I care? I don't want to be burdened with your problems. I'm, I'm, I'm not here to help you. And it's like, dude, what the fuck? Like, why are you written this way? Mm -hmm. Uh, this could be some story thing that I'm not remembering. Who knows? But, they are completely writing your they are writing the antagonist i'm sorry they're writing the protagonist as being more of a dick than the antagonist at the time <laughs> which was cypher and i'm fine with that that's definitely out there and that's very renegade thought for me but there needs to be a fucking reason or two or several soon of why he it needs to be justified i know that there's a cutscene in like disc three or disc four at some point where he's all like lovey dovey over Renoa. So I know he's gonna, it, his true feelings are gonna come out. That's gonna be his baby girl. But as far as how he goes from the evil asshole to the I love you, Renoa, I don't know that. And I don't know why right now he is such an asshole. And it's, it like really rubs me the wrong way. It just, Ugh, like fuck you squall uh 
we'll see. We'll see how that goes. So all that being said, uh, and this, this is going to be pretty much my week for the next until I beat the game. This is going to be my <laughs> progress report. I'm just going to keep going through this game. Uh, I, I'm really having an open mind, which is again, for me, it's easy. Uh, I would see this maybe being a problem for somebody like Adam or not just picking on him, but anybody else that thinks that this game is so horrible. The, the fact that it's been close to two decades since I have last played this game, the fact that I have forgotten damn near every, like every story thing that's coming along, uh, me going to like the tomb of the forgotten king and, uh, hell, even the train thing, I forgot about. I just forgot about all these little story points in this game. Uh, it's, it's almost like playing the game brand new and I've, I'm, 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 it's not really that I'm making myself have an open mind. I really have an open mind. I may walk away from this game thinking that it's that it's pretty good. It it's definitely not the best. Uh even at this early stage. This is not Final Fantasy 6, not Final Fantasy 12. Maybe maybe it'll end up more maybe a little less than Final Fantasy 4 material. That and that's that's given it's that's given it some solid credit. But uh yeah, yeah, man. Again, it's not it's not horrible so far, so far, and uh, it's it's even got like little humor things in it. Like I see where some of the humor is coming from, and I get some of it's kind of cheesy, but uh, it's 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 kind of cute. It's some some of the humor is really catching me and making me laugh. Uh, I keep every time that Zell goes way the fuck over the top and squalls like, "Wish you calm down." I'm like, that's like everybody and their fucking mother talking to me. Like, I'm so fucking energetic and wild, and people are like, oh, God. I, I, I can relate to you, Zell. I just would not get a tattoo on my face. I just <laughs> would not do that. I don't know what, I don't know what kind of world Final Fantasy VIII's world's like, but you have a tattoo on your face. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else that really, really got to me or uh, really stuck out. Oh, the, uh, so one of my complaints back in the day was I was really confused and thrown off about the whole, you know, you're playing as these three main characters and out of nowhere, you're, you're Laguna, Warden, Kiros, uh, again, as it being so early in the story, I don't know why that is. I think, I know it's told later. I know all of that gets revealed and everything makes sense and connects, but it hasn't been so jarring. It's it definitely is jarring when you're just suddenly controlling these three people, but they're still using the same battle system. It's still three people talking. They have some kind of connection. They're they're like a squad, just like you are. So, mm-hmm. um, that hasn't been like man. What that has not been a oh I'm playing as Solid Snake. Oh fuck you. You're not playing as Raiden. Yeah, you're not playing as Solid Snake anymore. Deal with it. This is more like a what's going on. Why am I playing as these? Why are they connected? It'll get revealed later. We'll see. We'll see how I take all that. It's going to be interesting all the way through to see how I take this entire game as a whole. Um, so far, it's it is what it is. It's 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 pretty interesting, and I'm playing through it. So that's my uh, that's my Octopath Traveler <laughs> talk right there, boy. Um. So yeah. 
I, I can't wait. I, I really can't wait to hear Adam's thoughts on all this. Uh, I, I did tell him, uh, I think yesterday that I was playing through it. He's like, you son of a bitch. Why aren't you playing through Xeno Gears? And you know, <laughs> I'll say this. I wish, I wish he was here to hear, but I'll tell this to you as well, Chris. I actually debated that too. Cause I, I mean, I would like to go back through Xeno Gears. The problem with Xeno Gears is that when I think about that last part of the game, when I think about that huge fucking text exposition dump combined with the fact that I've had to have Adam tell me two or three separate times what the whole story of the game was, and even then I felt like I had a cursory knowledge of what the story was, I don't want to get into Xenogears and like that game and then halfway through or more go, fuck this story. Fuck this story, which means fuck this game. Mm-hmm. And I'm nervous about that. I don't want that to happen. I felt that with at least Final Fantasy VIII, I just have a clear, I have a clean slate. I don't know. Maybe I won't like it, but I know that's going to be way later. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to dislike that game or not. I feel like I'm going to get through Xenogears and go, I'm fucking lost again. I'm, I'm, I'm lost again. I don't fucking get it. <laughs> and that's not any mentality I want to have when I'm playing a video game. Yeah. We'll see. L- l- write, send me an email, Adam. Tell me what you think about it. <laughs> email Adam Timecast at gmail.com. Tell me your thoughts on Xeno Gears. Uh, I'm going to put the slam brakes on, Chris. We're going to take a full left turn. Okay. For this tangent episode. Let's talk about zombies. <laughs> All right. Let's do this. So let me uh, just sit back and get ready for your uh, your little rant. I have such mixed mixed feelings about zombies, man. I oh man. So my biggest introduction to the zombie scene was back in the time of Resident Evil One, back in the time when I played it. We're talking maybe ninety six, ninety five at the earliest. Resident Evil was one of the first PlayStation games I ever played. It was a very fortunate set of circumstances. Uh, I got to play Sweet Code 1, Resident Evil, Doom, and Twisted Metal 2. All in the same go. Like the person that let me borrow the PlayStation let me borrow all four games at the same time. Which I love regurgitating the story. The condition was I could borrow these games and this PlayStation for like two weeks. But the problem was he was stuck in Sweet Code 1. And if he could get, if I would, he gave me his memory card, said if you can get me past this stuck point, then, you know, that's the condition. You know, that's, I'll, I'll, this is, that's the payment for letting me, for me letting you borrow this or me letting you borrow my PlayStation. Apparently he was stuck very early in the game within literally like the first 10, 15 minutes of the game. And I understood why there was a section of the map he had to go to or a section of the uh, Greg mystery had to go to and you could kind of miss that opening. So I found it naturally and he was like, oh man, I didn't even realize like, yeah, I could see the way the bushes were set up. You really couldn't, it it really wasn't meant to be like a, there wasn't a walkway or a path anyway. Anyway, so first games got play. Uh, I don't really know what feelings I had about zombie shit before Resident Evil, but Mm -hmm. Resident Evil definitely put zombies in the limelight for me. So that was back in 95 or 96. It is now 2018, and zombie shit is still fucking everywhere. Every other TV show is about zombies. Every third movie is about the zombie, uh, is a post-apocalyptic zombie-ridden area. Uh, it's 
it's it's it's third removed where it's like okay well this is a zombie post apocalypse but the story is so prominent and zombies really have a backseat like you don't really notice the zombie thing it's more like the survival of the human and the human interaction and politics and all that yeah i get mm-hmm. that it's still fucking zombies there the flavoring of zombies for me burnt out like a decade ago if not more <laughs> Like, I just kept seeing zombie stuff everywhere and kept seeing mm-hmm. stuff and kept seeing stuff. And I'm sick and tired of seeing it to this day. And it's more like I've thrown my arms up and going, fuck it. This is apparently the world loves it. This is some, like, niche that this world can't get enough of. There's so many other things I'd like to see more. I really thought when Pirates of the Caribbean was coming out, I really thought that like the pirate thing was starting was going to be a real big thing. And granted, there have been there have been other pirate style movies and there have been some pirate TV shows, I guess. Uh, we were graced with Assassin's Creed Black Flag at some point, but it has I haven't felt like pirates have had this fucking thing like zombies have like zombies are fucking everywhere there's zombie conventions there's uh escape rooms that are themed around zombies there's uh zombie parade style shit in the middle of June I mean it's just it's everywhere and uh yeah like I know it makes you sound like an asshole I get it I'm an asshole but I'm just so sick and fucking tired of seeing zombies to the point to where video game, TV show, movie, whatever, when it's like in the world where zombies, I've stopped. I'm not even interested. Not nope. I don't even care. Uh, I liked the idea of zombies when they first came around, especially Resident Evil. Uh, again, Resident Evil is one that really pushed zombies into the forefront. I don't think I'd ever seen like the old uh the old black and white horror zombie kind of movies mm-hmm. I, I really i'd really be pressed to think of zombie centric things before resident evil um and and given as old as resident evil was it's understandable it was one of my first playstation games so it holds a big place in my heart and the whole theme of zombies was pretty cool uh Resident Evil kind of went off on its own thing, though. Kind of went a little bit crazy with having Wesker being like a red-eyed fucking god guru kind of thing. I don't fucking know what they were doing. Like, after after Resident Evil 4, uh, Resident Evil kind of went off the went off the chain. They were mm-hmm. kind of getting crazy and wild and out there whenever Code Veronica was, was, was around with uh, the brother and the sister. And uh, it's just, it was just weird. Anyway, uh... I don't hate everything about zombies. Resident Evil 1, 2, and 3, and Code Veronica, and 4. There there are some zombie games that have special places in my heart that they're not going to go away just because zombies are there. There are some zombie-themed movies that I still like. I actually genuinely liked uh, uh, Daisy... Even though apparently it was not that good compared to the book, nothing ever is. Yeah. Uh, I loved uh, Dawn of the Dead. I have I've watched that movie like fifteen or twenty times. I love <laughs> that movie. Very good movie. Uh, I heard Chris that there are some Resident Evil movies, but I don't believe that. Uh, <laughs> I think people are making that up. I think that's a figment of the imagination. Uh, even though I also hear that there's like six or seven of those fucking things. So. Uh-huh. Ah, whatever. Whatever. Uh, and there are, there are some games uh, that, that have really brought me kind of back around. The Walking Dead is, is a good example. But that's that leads into the 
that kind of ties back to the the third removed thing I was talking about before, where like, yes, Walking Dead is a video game based off the Walking Dead TV show, with which is revolves around zombies, but it's more like the show revolves around human shit and zombies mm-hmm. revolve around that. Uh, that's the same way with this game. Like, yeah, every now and again, zombies are going to break through, you know, a barricade or something, but it's all about the human emotion, the human interaction, human survival, uh, the bureaucracy, the politics, the, the backstabbing, all that shit. Uh, hell, there's even really fourth remove if you, if you want to say that way, because even, uh, uh, left for dead, I mean, they weren't really zombies. They were infected. They were kind of zombies, but they were more like fungus ridden mutations than, you know, brain dead, uh, shuffling, sprinting zombies. Uh, there's been a plethora of games that I've tried that are zombie themed, and the zombie part just makes me go, whatever, man. Just, I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I think, you know, thinking about how it's not the focus kind of makes me think of uh, Seven Days to Die. Uh, I don't think I played that one. No, you haven't. Um, I, uh, I think it'd be fun. Um, for us to play it, but uh, one of the big things for that is, you know, focusing on survival. Uh, yeah. The base building aspect of it. And, you know, yeah, there are zombies out there, but they could be replaced with anything. You know, they could be replaced with, I mean, there are wolves in the game, but they're all wolves, you know, for example. Yeah. Sure. Four-legged animal versus bipedal, but not the point. You know, mm-hmm. you're still surviving, still gathering resources, still doing that, so for a survival game, it doesn't really matter what the enemy is. Yeah. Um, you still have the same process, and it doesn't really make the game any worse that they're zombies. Yeah. Zombies just have this, and I, I say world, it may just be in the U.S. for all I know. I'm not, I'm not really too well versed on the pop culture of the other six continents in the world, but... Mm-hmm. I feel like in the U.S., like it, it, I, I said it earlier, and I kind of mean it. It's more like a flavoring. Like there's just zombie shit injected yeah. into everything, and yeah, I mean there, there's many other types of games and other types of movies, other other types of things that we can inject other things into that I think would make it either better or just flat out different. And having a change of palo would be great. Like. Why haven't we had like a, a, a vampire slash werewolf uh, renaissance? We kind of had it back in the day with Underworld. I, I thought that was going to be the kickoff, mm-hmm. but it just kind of came and went. Imagine a survival game where it's humans trying to survive against actual fucking like vampires. Yeah. Like the old, uh, you know, well tailored well dressed super strong mm-hmm. I think this is another one man I wish Adam was here because I know he's played <laughs> Vampire the Masquerade have you played Vampire the Masquerade no, I have Chris yeah and I remember him telling me uh, all the different vampire types I know right now there's a, there's a Masquerade guy just furiously just typing away this keyboard uh, I, f- I forget the type of that vampire but there there's all there's all kinds and yeah, that'd be a yeah. that'd be a cool flavoring to come back. I wish I wish vampires was, were a flavoring that would just push fucking zombies out of the way, yeah, or I, pirates, or ninjas, or samurais, or something. I I think that 
zombies are kind of a easy thing to fall back on. And maybe that's yeah. why we've got such a, a influx of it because, okay, you just have whatever type of zombies you want to have. And there you go. What are zombies yeah. objectives? Okay. Brains or murder or whatever they do, you know, in that mm-hmm. world. Uh, whereas if you get into something like pirates, for example, okay, now we're dealing with water. We're dealing with ships. We're dealing with pirates and, human uh emotions and motivations and as opposed to zombie uh brains you know yeah it's yeah <laughs> a lot more complex it's more it's accessible yeah i think is i think is a is a big takeaway from zombies is a big is a big finger point at zombies is the fact <laughs> that yeah i mean there could be some cdc building in georgia that fucks something up and drops something in it in the typical way that most of these things happen in mm-hmm. most of these stories and it's so close to being believable that it's in the forefront. I mean, I we could make an argument that I maybe that maybe that the time there are pirates that exist to this day, but sure, yeah. today's pirates don't seem anything anywhere near as cool as the fantastic yeah. pirates of old, you know. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this is night, uh, sorry, this is 2018 and not the fucking 1500s or whatever time frame pirates existed. You know, maybe that sets the knowledge, the the time span sets the believability a little mm-hmm. a little way apart. Same thing with like samurais. You know, well, hell, we're in America. We don't care about samurais. They're really cool. Yeah, they're really cool, but th- th- not enough for us to have a resurgence of them. Yeah. Vampires, yeah, totally fake, totally fictional. Can't happen. Not gonna happen. So that's not bl- zombies. Oh yeah, a medical mishap. Poof population wiped out and then it's us against each other yeah Yeah. out of all of those i think vampires are probably the next best option Mm -hmm. um because you can do vampires in pretty much any setting um you know and even you know the setting can determine okay well that's what your story is about you know oh it's a vampire in 2050 with all the cybernetics and stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, it it also yeah. uh, it also seems like zombies are a good bridge between different cultures and interests. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, just strictly pointing a finger at The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead is enough, and this really ties into our episode about nerd culture. But The Walking Dead, in and of itself, is a good middle ground, a good bridge, a good. Uh, midway point between uh you know a super fucking nerd that has you know fucking zombie t-shirts and loves all things zombies and has played every zombie video game when he goes to work and talks to the you know the football guy that's like yeah i was watching walking dead last night well oh, what happened when eric brought his crossbow out oh yeah i thought he was gonna shoot samantha in her head for being a dumb bitch and stealing the crackers <laughs> yeah you know it's so easy, it, it's so accessible as far as could happen and it's also accessible as bringing people together where yeah. you know you go talk to a football guy about vampires i don't know i don't know i mean there was the fucking hbo vampire show that everybody loved for whatever reason oh um yeah that was that was interesting um. i i hate <laughs> i hate I I genuinely do hate talking this way about 
this shit because I feel like I'm being one of those guys. I feel like I'm being one of those people that I hate this because it's popular. And I kind of don't as well because I stopped feeling that way like six to eight years ago when the ship kept being popular, but it was run into the ground. Uh, I don't hate zombies because zombies are popular. I hate it because I just keep seeing more and more and more and more zombie shit. And coming from a video game mindset to where, uh, like Octopath Traveler, like you said, it doesn't, it hasn't like totally blown you out of the water. It hasn't completely reinvented the wheel. It's more RPG stuff that you know. I don't feel that there are many zombie things that have reinvented the zombie flavoring mm-hmm. that have made me go, oh, man. Uh, left left Behind is close. Is close. Uh, but it, it, it still that still skirts the line. It skirts the line of that zombie feel. I'm waiting for... I don't know, man. I'm waiting for some for some zombie thing to come out and really change the thing. The, the, the last time that I saw something that was really supposed to like change the scope was I think it was Day Z, where it showed all the zombies like piling on top of each other and kind of zerg rushing into mm-hmm. a building and using like the other zombie bodies to climb over themselves. I thought that was pretty cool, but that's a one time gimmick. Once yeah. I've seen that and seen the other four to ten movies that were copying that, I'm like, well, now this is done. Like, <laughs> I don't know. How, instead of me being a whiny, nitpicky asshole <laughs> and saying, I'm sick and tired of zombie shit, let me think critically. Let us think critically, Chris. How could we flavor up the flavoring of zombies? How could we change the game of zombies to make it where it's actually interesting and not just a thing anymore? Um, well, um, (laughs) man, put me on the spot. Uh, I I think, um, like I was saying, it's a really accessible thing. Uh, it's really easy to do. Mm -hmm. It needs to be something that's not so easy to do, you know, um, what's going on, you know, why, Give some more thought behind why there are zombies, you know, other than, oh, it's a disease thing that killed people and brought them back to life. Or even, oh, it's this plant that takes them over and turns them into a zombie. Um, Yes. I think that's that's something that The Last of Us did. I said Left Behind earlier for some fucking reason. I was thinking about a movie. I was Mm -hmm. was really thinking of The Last of Us. But that's something that I did like about... I did like about The Last of Us. It's yeah. this is a this is a plus for that game is that it's it's in spirit zombies. They're essentially mindless. They're very one focus. You know, zombies. Their one focus is eating brains for mm-hmm. whatever reason. Their one focus is eating people. Uh, that's what the infected are. That's what the uh, God. What were they? They were. They, they were. They, there was a scientific name for for the disease that made them. But anyway, uh, their yeah, their their theme was the fungus thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just we dropped a tube into a lab. It made a virus. They basically look like their skin is dead, and they're running at you, and they're eating your flesh. Yeah. They all have different 
uh, attributes. This is kind of the same thing that uh, Left for Dead did that I wish other movies would pick up on, like having having types like having that video game appeal to mm-hmm. it of having different types and not just it's just a wall of walking dead you know having a bloater having a clicker having a smoker you know having these different types where it's it, it would be interesting just to see how they even came about but then yeah. just but having them in a movie or another video game that makes it interesting to me and, and that's you know kind of a uh downside of doing a variety as well is because okay well how do you explain this you know how do you explain a bloater okay yeah is it just a buildup of gas but then okay that's not really okay it explodes and okay you got farted on essentially <laughs> uh, well i th- well but if you have a bloater like from left for dead where it's filled with acid or something like yeah. that you know okay, yeah. well, how how does that work <laughs> okay let's get to some science behind this what yeah. is going on here uh, that's harder to do than you're running the mill, either fast or slow zombies that are basically just, you know, some state of decay of a human. I agree, but I think it's worth it. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think it will be, I think it'd be hard to do, especially in a movie setting. Uh, if we're just talking, a, a TV show could do it easy. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a, a TV show that's, that's 45 minutes to an hour per episode, you know, times 15 episodes. You can spend a good amount of time with, you know, five variations of zombie types and explaining mm-hmm. whether it's how you do it. I don't know. I hope you do it creatively and not just <laughs> fucking text dump and not just, you know, I'm the dumb guy. I don't know what's going on. Let me explain it to you, Solid Snake. However you do it, mm-hmm. I think it could be done. I think the payoff of just having the different things there makes it worth it you know give the zombies more weaknesses you know that's another thing that's that i like about vampires you know they have these weaknesses in them uh same thing with werewolves same thing with most of these monsters they have weaknesses what's the weakness of zombie you just fucking shoot them in the head that's all it's ever going to be is just shoot them in the head well you can't really shoot a runner because they fucking run fast. You, but you can try to headshot them. Uh, you can't really sh- headshot a smoker because they're jumping all over the fucking place and they're using smoke as a, as a screen. So it's hard to see them. Mm-hmm. It, it would, it would at least add to it. But I think that, that really boils down to one of the things that I severely dislike about the zombie as a flavoring thing, period, is the fact that it's all basically the same. Yeah. I, I got one for you. What about, Zombies in the in a future technology where we've got cybernetics, but yeah. we go too far, and the uh, chips interfacing with the brain just starts like short circuiting the brain, and now people are just <sighs> drolling around mindlessly and just you know the violent. It's not a like urge to feed on brains; it's just violent outbursts. Yes, you know? now that. But then they I have like cybernetic limbs, so you have zombies with laser pistols attached to their hands oh, you know man. oh man that's nice that d- did you just create cyberpunk 2088 <laughs> i think you did i think you did i bet i'm willing to bet money that's going to be a thing in this game it's probably going to be it's it's probably not the first one to do it either but uh <laughs> yeah i think uh what is the name of that uh deus a human revolution mm-hmm. i th- i think that game had it, it kind of had something like that where somebody was actually hacking in and yeah. they were kind of controlling the people. I mean, come on, Ghost in the Shell had the same thing too. Mm. Yeah, I, mean, I like that. Any of those games? So. Yeah, uh, 
I, I like the idea of something just like trying to take its own sentience over and just mm-hmm. taking over a person. And, but it's especially with it being like a cyborg. So it doesn't actually have, it's not a full robot. It's like the human is conflicting with the cyborg, you know, mm-hmm. with the cybernetic parts. Oh man, that's a good idea. I like that. All right. So tune in everybody for 2023 <laughs> when uh, Cyberpunk 2088 gets released. Uh, you heard it right here, folks, in a timecast. <laughs> You're welcome. What are some notable zombie-themed whatever forms of media, Chris, that are notable in your life? Some some uh, zombie shit that was actually good and you really enjoy. You know, I think I've been kind of indifferent towards them overall. Uh, Left 4 Dead, that's such a great game. Uh, but it doesn't really... Sure, it focuses on zombies, but really it's a shooter. So it's another one like Seven Days to Die. You replace the zombies with something else. You'd have a pretty good game still. Uh, it may not make as much sense, uh, but I mean, it'd be playable still. Um, but one, I think as far as movies go, uh, I like the parodies more than the actual movies. Like Shaun of the Dead is a great movie Uh, it is hilarious so i i think that's kind of where my uh best zombie experiences are or with parody movies yeah it's not it's not always so bad like i i also like in in the zombie movies where they slowly reveal how the shit happened uh Oh, I'm trying to think of the Will Smith movie. I just talked about it earlier. No, actually, I haven't yet. That was also no. another good zombie type movie. The, the I I Am Hero. I think it was called. Uh, and oh god, I might be co- completely blowing that that title wrong. I, I know what you're uh, talking about, but I can't think of it either. I'm thinking uh, I Am Hero, but that may be wrong. I Am Legend. I Am Legend. I am god, legend. I was so close. I'm so just close. Kidding. <laughs> uh. I like how they didn't officially actually like have one solid exposition shot of this is how the shit happened. I like mm-hmm. how piece by piece, like the, I like scratch all that. I just like the idea of things gradual, the intensity gradually rising. I like that. I like uh, that was something I liked about uh, Dawn of the Dead. How average day shit's going normal and shit slowly starts to show, and then the shit starts to go bad. It goes a little bad, then goes really bad, then goes full blown chaos, and then goes the world's done. Yeah. I like that. Uh, the being right in the middle of it and then having the exposition of how it happened later. I don't care for that too much. I like the gradual hell. Uh, the the last of us oh god oh boy was that ever a heart-wrenching one but yeah it also did that where it was like yeah just having an average day and then you wake up and what's going on oh shit yeah <laughs> yeah that's some that's a good takeaway from the zombie thing but <sighs> you feel better it, I feel a little better. It's just a it's a personal <laughs> journal thing for me to just get that out. My uh, my friends know that about me anyway. I mean, it's I'm sure they're outliers and I'm sure they're exceptions to the rules and there's probably a shit ton of uh 
sources, be it games or movies or shows that I just haven't tried, that maybe they're going to do me much better. It's it's not it's not the fact that it's popular that I'm sick and tired of seeing the popular thing. I'm just sick and tired of seeing the same thing. Uh, yeah, I think that was just a revelation earlier. Uh, thanks to Chris, that it just that that put a piece in a place for me. It's the fact that like, how do you kill zombies? Like, you shoot them in the head, the game's over. That's that's when I hear zombie shooting head, game over. No matter where you are, I always know that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, different things, different stories, different antagonists, what have you, have will require different ways of dispatching them. And that is interesting to me. So if I see a movie about a zombie, and then I see a movie about a werewolf, and then I see a movie about a bloodthirsty alien, and then I see a movie about a dinosaur, that's all different. And I'm getting I'm getting fed different things. But the world hasn't been following different things. They've been following Game of Thrones and Walking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. And hey, Game of Thrones, zombies. <laughs> yeah. What do you know? When that shit happened, I was like, man, they can't help it. It has to be everywhere. And it's not just a small thing. That is a huge plot point of Game of Thrones. That is a huge plot revelations. Oh, yeah. Zombies. You know, now let's let's talk about something real quick. Just thinking okay. about that. That's something that... I don't know if you see it as different, but I see that as being pretty much totally different because this is like, okay, now you're getting to fantasy. Magic's involved, you know? Yeah. Uh, They're not just out for brains. They're literally under the control of something else, you know, versus the generic plague zombie brains. Um, So I I, I don't, even though I I made that comment, I don't really feel like it should be lumped into the same pile, you know? I suppose, but it's more of just the, uh, it's more like I kept waiting for that shit to happen. I was waiting to see what this big thing was and what all this hubbub was about. And then it was, oh yeah, they're dead. We bring them back to life. And yes, I will admit whenever uh, we did not even mention spoilers for Game of Thrones, but sorry, spoilers for Game of Thrones. Uh, You've been warned. Whenever they killed the dragon in the whatever last season, mm-hmm. and then they fucking pulled the dragon out of the ice and brought his ass back to life, I did think that was very fucking cool. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, that's cool. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm so up and down with the whole, the walking horde, or whatever the fuck it is. Mm-hmm. It's, the dragon, the, the dragon being undead is cool. But at the end of the day, there's... You know, there's a fucking guy that's magic, magic somehow, and he's controlling the dead. You're going to kill him. The dead are going to be gone. Maybe. Who knows? (laughs) We'll see. Yeah. It just didn't, it didn't blow my skirt up. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, But that's a Game of Thrones discussion. That's a whole other episode for a whole (laughs) other day. So... At the end of the day, with the two of the three of us anyway, you're basically indifferent to zombies. You don't have any misgivings. You see zombie shit pop on the screen, you're like, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I I don't really... Well, I'll watch like, a lot of zombie movies. Never really cared for them. Uh, like I said, I enjoy the parodies as comedies more than anything. 
Um, when I see them in games, don't really care. Um, yeah. You know, because games are pretty much about the gameplay and story. You got to have, you know, one of those and whether it involves zombies or not, whatever. I'm indifferent. <laughs> yeah. I'm just an old asshole. That's all I'm used to it. <laughs> Fuck you, zombies. I'm sick and tired of seeing you. Can we? Can you? Can you all get wiped off the map? Can we get something else in here? Something else that's going to unite the the world the way The Walking Dead did, the way that zombies, <laughs> the whole zombie apocalypse has done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just so sick and tired of seeing that. Hey, in a world where the zombie apocalypse has happened, it's like, yep, switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what about you, audience? What are your What are your thoughts on zombies as a whole? Like, what do you think about them? Are you indifferent? Do you love them? Do you hate them? Uh, what are some interesting zombie themed pieces of media that you've come across is very interesting. What uh, What shit could you recommend to me that maybe will turn my turn my mind around? Believe me, I'm I'm always open to try different things. Uh. Have you played Final Fantasy VIII in the past <laughs> twenty years? What a year! Oh boy, keep keep it spoiler free for God's sakes. But what are your thoughts on what, what are your thoughts on Final Fantasy as a whole? Like where where did Final Fantasy put you? What mind frame did Final Fantasy VIII put you in? Uh, Octopath Traveler, we love to hear your thoughts on that. It's bare, especially since it's so fresh and new. You know, how are you taking that game uh, before playing it, and now that you're playing it? You know, if you knew about it ahead of time, if you saw previews or, or quick looks as well, whatever, uh, and just anything in general, we always love to hear from our audience. And there's many ways you can get a hold of us. You can send us an email at endoftimecast at gmail.com. That's endoftimecast at gmail.com. No funny uh, letters, uh, numbers in there. Just spell it as you heard it. Uh, we have a Facebook page. That might be how you found us. Just go to end of, uh, just go to Facebook, search for End of Timecast. Might be how you found this episode right here. You can also find us on Twitter. You search Twitter for End of Timecast. You, you can send us one of those tweets. Still haven't been tweeted yet. We will one day. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, that's gonna do it for this episode. Uh, hopefully Adam will be back next week. We have a we have a plethora of topics lined up anyway, but uh, hopefully he'll be back. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys next week. And until then, I'm Michael. I'm Chris. Good night, everybody. Bye.